mental asylum and someone horrible who has pure evil behind his eyes is only gonna want to do one thing he's going to want to watch these halloween movies with me and he might kill me with a knife or something on the way i hope tonight's not the night he comes home Wait, was that a knocking on my door? He is home. Here I creep slowly towards the door, twist the handle without checking the eye hole, and I prepare to attack the assailant. Trick or treat! Oh, I thought that you were an escaped sociopathic killer. No, I'm just a regular kid. All right, regular kid, get in here and watch these Halloween movies with me. My mom's out here. I'm not going to enter your house. Can I just have some candy, please? Okay, fine. I guess that does make sense. They are uh, rated R after all. But, uh, by the way, there legit is, a, like, a sociopathic killer out there. You and your mom, like, really shouldn't be wandering around. I'm sure I'll be fine, thanks to my childhood innocence. And scene. Guys, I'm not really a kid. It Whoa. was me the whole time. Method actor Greg Johnson, ladies and gentlemen. I'm selling him hard, baby. Mm. Uh, welcome back to Movies for Win. Boy... It has been a long month, especially because we extended it two weeks before the month started. <laughs> Spooky season is here, and we are here for our final episode of October, because guess what, y'all? It's movies for when it's Halloween, because it's Halloween. I was looking at my letterbox, and uh, I haven't watched a non-spooky movie since... September the 16th when I watched Forgetting Sarah Marshall for this con for this podcast. <laughs> That's right. That was the last non-spooky movie I've watched. <laughs> it's I feel like we're just a horror podcast now. We're going to have to do a hard detox after this. Yeah, I'm going to start with Dune. Personally. I heard it's good. Colby told me he liked it. And he's read the book. Mm -hmm. So I trust him. See, All I'm right, going to have to go see Last Night in Soho, so I'm actually just going to keep the spooky rolling for a little bit. I feel like I've heard of it, but I can't tell you what that is. It's um, a Edgar Wright movie that comes out this week. Oh, okay. I'll see it then. Yeah, it looks good. You had me at Edgar Wright movie that comes out this weekend. All right, Denny, <laughs> what are our movies for when it's Halloween? We've got three of them. Three movies that we would recommend watching on Halloween night. My pick was Trick or Treat. Greg chose Get Out. And Destiny chose Halloween. Like, how could we not? It, like, it's got to be on there. So 
Destiny's just, a friend yeah. of ours. Yes. She, uh, <laughs> huge horror fan. Yeah. Uh, we Thanks, we had Destiny. to do we had to do Halloween. Yeah. Honestly, it's Halloween. It's our first uh, Halloween episode that is coming out on or around Halloween. So, how could we not pick it? Yes, but we do have an episode coming out on Halloween, and we are really—it's a big deal. We're really excited about it. Greg, what are we doing on Halloween? Well, this was going to be recorded beforehand, but uh, I got busy, as I tend to do. So this is actually, instead of being a recorded thing that we were going to do for our YouTube channel, we're actually going to do it as a live stream. This stream has come alive. Ooh, it's alive! It's a live stream! And it's coming to get you, Barbara, and everyone oh. else. We're going to be yes. watching all of the Halloween episodes of Community. We talked about this last week, but we're going to be watching it at my place. That's not going to be streamed because of copyright and legal issues. But we're going to be having the discussion, uh, Danny and I, in person, just like our pig video where we... Uh, discussed it together in the same room. We're going to be discussing the community Halloween episodes together on a live stream on our YouTube channel. We'll post links. We'll share. We'll remind you. All that good business. It's going to be a gonna, lot of fun. Are we going to do them all? Like even season four? Uh, yeah, I'm going to make you watch an episode from season four. Uh, talk um, about ending on a low note. Well, guess what? There's more seasons after it, so we're not gonna <laughs> we're not gonna stop there. True. All right, we're gonna do all four community Halloween episodes. There we go. All right. Strap Did you think in, there were folks. more in five and six? There's not. I forgot. You know, we'll we'll get into it, but there's a really good reason they stopped doing holiday episodes after season four, um, and we'll <sighs> we'll save we'll save the content. We'll save the content for Sunday. At 3 Central? 3 p.m.? 3 Central works for me. 3 p.m. Central-ish, hopefully. Well, <laughs> we'll see you there, folks. <laughs> yeah! We're so excited. I'm drinking out of my Troy and Abed mug right now. I just have cans of beer. I'm lame. All right, Denny. Uh, real quick before we get into our movies, uh, we're going to start with Trick or Treat, but I first want to talk about what we did yesterday evening monday Woo! evening yeah um it was the texas horror cult picture show a short film competition which we had six weeks to write produce and edit and submit a uh, a short film about uh, halloween and i was part of team fright 90 i worked on the story gave notes here and there and also operated the boom mic um and i i actually got a i got a best boy credit i really pushed for it and i didn't think they were gonna give it to me <laughs> <laughs> i got to be best boy even though i didn't do best boy duties or anything i don't know what those are even um, you, you were the best boy of our hearts denny thanks greg no but greg you came out leah was there uh i a lot of a lot of people i love and care about showed up to show their support and it meant a whole whole lot to me like it was honestly last night was one of the coolest nights of my life um you know greg got engaged at an alamo draft house uh my wife and i went on our first date to this alamo draft house that we were at last night we saw a uh quote along of monty python and the holy grail there um and i taught her how to drink alcohol and <laughs> it was it was great um 
and yeah it was just really cool vanessa was also credited uh because she worked on the story with us it was just really cool to see our names on the screen where we started dating to have all our friends there um like it was just an emotionally awesome powerhouse of a night uh we didn't uh we didn't win we didn't even place in the festival um i'd love to i'd love to give you the happy to be here and glad to be part of it but damn it i wanted to place um and uh we're coming back with a vengeance brother brother there's a fright 90 production meeting on thursday morning and we got more content coming your way and uh, our movie is going to be on youtube soon uh we're we're just making sure that everything's kosher with the film fest before we just upload it you know we want to make sure we don't uh step on any toes or anything like that but we're going to put it on youtube so people can see it and i am uh i'm crazy crazy proud of our film i really am it's again it's five minutes and 45 seconds that's not a lot of time to blow your mind but man i was just consistently amazed with what we were able to pull together on raw talent favors and no money um i'm i'm just super super proud of our film it's called artificial uh we drew the genre of sci-fi horror uh so we had to put together a sci-fi horror film with no money and lots of people helped us out and it was really really cool and just again one of the coolest nights of my life last night man yeah it was really cool to see anything you worked on and also your name up on a screen at the alamo so that was really special and yeah we were happy to come out for sure i was um, so glad y'all were there man I even so on glad. a monday <laughs> you got two introverts out on a monday night to bro <laughs> drive all the way out there so i'll have you know i'm an extrovert. and it was worth it i'm glad i'm an extrovert and i hate doing things i want like i want people to come to my house and talk to me and watch movies with me um and my whole schedule and internal clock is thrown off because we did such an extravagant and cool thing on a monday night yeah, totally understandable all right denny <clears throat> people will check out artificial from fright 90 later on they're going to be checking out our live stream but for now we're here to talk about our first movie which was your pick for movies for when it's halloween we're going to start with trick our apostrophe treat yeah please summarize the plots of trick or treat yeah good call on the plots because it's hard to summarize it's uh it's actually this weird mix so it's an anthology that ties all the narratives together right functionally mm -hmm. speaking um <clears throat> they seamless edited quite a bit together but long story short um we sure see we a bunch it. of really cool stories uh of like people who are loosely connected to each other on halloween night and they are they range from actually there's not any of them that are kind of cute they're all really fucked up <laughs> like <laughs> um, i was gonna say like there's some range I'm like nope it's really really uh really rated r and cheers thanks bud um honestly i'll do my best to summarize we start we see a couple um it's kind of having a dispute one loves halloween the other doesn't um we see a creepy principal type guy who is burying bodies in his backyard and poisoning children and making them puke chocolate it's what we call a reverse augustus gloop um and then carving their heads into jack-o'-lanterns we see a girl who is coded neurodivergent, uh, who's getting bullied by cool kids, and a spooky story about a, a bus driver who drove a bus of special needs kids off a cliff. And uh, 
then the people who are pranking her find out that the monsters are real and she's like fuck off you guys you guys fucking suck and bails on them as she should have and then there's a little uh a little demon boy who trick-or-treats a lot um and doesn't like when you dishonor halloween traditions and he goes and fights the bus driver later and uh there's a really really cool bait and switch story um where it seems like they're going all uh kind of like exploitative vampiric and it turns out it's not as it seems and it ends up being really cool um it's so all over the place i, I really don't know if i summarized it well at all was that you have anything you would add i, I mean it's yeah uh, is it's all just four completely different narratives that are somewhat intertwined you get teased about some of them later um and then they'll show you what happens later on in the movie yeah like that's basically it it's all it's just a halloween centric set of stories that are kind of woven together mm-hmm. pretty loosely but you still can be like ah that's from earlier yeah it's it's a fun set of uh little clips little 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 treats little yeah. treats for us it was just enough you know like just enough weaving together i thought uh just mm-hmm. in some really smart ways that at the end of the day didn't matter but gave it a greater sense of cohesion which was tight um greg what's your relationship with this movie first time watch what do you know about it uh first time watch i had seen this like cover before and i th- i think i knew it was an anthology or you know close to one uh yeah just for whatever reason hadn't watched it um i think one night we were going to watch either this or uh vhs and we landed on vhs Mm -hmm. and then we just i just never got around to watching trick-or-treat until now so it was pretty cool nice yeah we were i i i actually only saw it for the first time last year um this was uh this was my second viewing of it i'd honestly just never given a shit about it i'd seen like the character sam uh at like spirit halloween and everything like that and uh kind of assumed it was just like an annabelle type of thing that i wouldn't really care about i uh i i have a negativity bias with modern horror i just think that it generally doesn't have uh doesn't quite have the charm and personality of a lot of classic horror it's not that it can never be good but like unless it's elevated i'm not really into it most of the time so i just never paid much mind to it and last year vanessa and i were on a big anthology kick like we watched mm-hmm. a lot of horror anthology specifically we watched uh creep show tales from the dark side body bags uh maybe a few others that i don't even remember and people were telling us we like had to watch it and we were just like for whatever reason crazy into anthologies last year um so we finally checked it out and man it was just an instant favorite i was like wow man this is just this is going to be an annual halloween viewing for me like or at least an annual october viewing it just it really yeah. really stuck with me and just made a really positive impression well i knew i know for you halloween lasts for the entirety of october mm-hmm. so yeah i knew what you meant um <laughs> and parts of september and parts of september hey this year we pulled way back into like mid-september for this and i'm not complaining about it um yeah we finally got yeah just to i guess dive into the movie a little bit we finally i finally paid attention to the actor's name that played guy from board identity who i've mentioned a couple times on this podcast it's brian cox he does mcdonald's commercials now um (laughs) 
I've never seen Born Identity or McDonald's commercials. But you have seen Adaptation. Yes. So, and Trick or Treats. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think he was in another movie we did on here, but who Who remembers? Who is he in Trick or Treat? Uh, Is the old guy. Oh, shit. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Good for him, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Halloween movie or horror movies about Halloween kick ass and are pretty much always fun. Mm Mm-hmm. This one's no ex- ex- exception, dude. And just like an anthology based on like people's different experiences on Halloween. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really cool. I did too. And you know, I really appreciate an airtight story structure. And even if it wasn't like, uh, it wasn't like some mind blowing way that they tied it all together. But I did think it was just a very nice touch that there was no wasted motion um i've never really seen an anthology which like don't get me wrong i love me some like anthology bumpers you know like uh, body bags has like john carpenter playing a spooky guy in a morgue just like introducing the next stories and uh hell yeah i i I don't knock it at all i really enjoy it but this was it was just a nice little touch that there was no wasted motion and it made the movie feel just like very purposeful very clean and i thought really like maintained like if if there's one thing i love about the movie i'd say it's its ambiance just like the the feel of the movie feels very immersive Mm -hmm. and just tying it all together helped maintain that you know like it just never broke i really like that this was kind of set in a small town Mm -hmm. and like it feels like a somewhat tightly knit community all having their own spooky stories like this isn't just like four completely separate groups that are kind of tied together through like happenstance like this is all in the same town uh we mentioned the kids earlier they're interacting like the serial killer guy is their principal and they know the creepy guy next door they know the the bus story and they're like going by the parade and everything like they're everyone's like going down the street to go to the other story that's happening mm-hmm. it's pretty cool like containing the geography of all these stories i think really helps sell it as a like loosely knit tightly contained um set of narratives oh absolutely it just it created that community feel i agree 100 percent, and uh I don't know. That's just special to me. It's not something I can really recall seeing anywhere else. I'm not saying it's never been done before, but there's nothing that sticks out to me that really has this movie's feel and flow and rhythm. Uh, and I, I really love that about Trick or Treat. Yeah. Uh, it's it's pretty easy to be like, I don't know, just have, have all your separate stories and try to take it way too seriously with your connections between them. <laughs> or just like, you know, try to maybe reach a little bit too far into the kind of twists and turns that kind of tie things together it felt natural or at least believable that these things were related well and i think that's what it's what turns me off to a lot of modern horror is i feel like modern horror takes itself hyper seriously Mm -hmm. there's like no wit or charm or fun to it at all and if you're gonna make something like the lighthouse or midsummer that's great because you're making art yeah. you know like but <laughs> if you're gonna make the conjuring four like have you seen nightmare on elm street three they're fucking around <laughs> at that point and it's great you know like it, it's really great uh 
Nightmare on Elm Street 3 is my favorite nightmare, by the way. Side conversation. But um, I, I just don't feel like horror movies have that sense of wonder and that sense of kind of mystique and that, like, it's in our world, but it's ethereal. We're kind of going behind. We're watching it through a veil, you know, like of a spookier world than ours. It's also and, kind of like tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't take itself too seriously, but it also doesn't make fun of itself. It's not ashamed that it's a high-concept supernatural horror movie about Halloween. You know, like, it's it embraces what it is uh, and is proud of it and has mm-hmm. fun with it. We can have fun and be off-put at the same time, you know? Speaking of fun and off-put, how about those kids interrupting <laughs> a uh, party of swingers? Ooh, or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> that was so weird. <laughs> was so uncomfortable these kids you know you presume they're mostly innocent despite the fact that you find out they're up to some bullshit later on yeah but just like keep interrupting like what were they doing in there and it's like misses something or miss something and it seems like is that a teacher or is like a friend's mom or something and it's just like I think Mr. So-and-so was trying to fuck this person in there. <laughs> yeah, they like Dressed as a hot dog. <laughs> yeah, they, like, see... Uh, did they say their choir teacher or something? Like, yeah. They see him humping someone in a costume in there. Pretty um, cool. You know, and I, I think that, that it's just on theme with, like, um, the gritty underbelly underneath a, uh, a fun aesthetic. And mm-hmm. I, I think that that's kind of what Halloween's about. You know, like, it's a time when we, like dress children up as satan and call it cute you know like and then yiff in front of them yeah well yeah we all god damn it Greg. <laughs> i was gonna try to follow that thread for comedic overkill and it was uh mm-hmm. i was like i can't talk about yiffing in front of children mm-hmm. <laughs> you fucking you outdid me greg <laughs> yeah. I'm, not, I'm not i'm not exploring the comedic premise of yiffing in front of a child let's transition to something else then (laughs) i i do like that it was kind of in the intro credits first of all the intro credits they presented this like it was a comic book like it has this comic book aesthetic which Mm -hmm. makes me happy because Mm -hmm. this is one of the coolest comic book movies i've seen in some time yeah but also there's a lot of imagery of like people are hiding razor blades in your kids candy and some of their some of those candies are actually drugs it's like every suburban mom's worst nightmare yeah in a movie but people aren't going to give away their drugs for free especially not to your kids so Seriously. shut up <laughs> waste of drugs <laughs> <laughs> what a waste of drugs drugs yeah, no. are wa- drugs are wasted on the youth yeah. <laughs> no but again i i'm just i feel like i just keep echoing and that's what's so cool about it you know like mm-hmm. that it has this uh it reminds me of the 80s and 90s and the the moral panic around horror movies um, that just made them even cooler. You know, like they were yeah. like the, the forbidden fruit. They were saying the things you weren't supposed to say and showing the things you weren't supposed to show. Um, and this is definitely a movie that like juxtaposes that childlike wonderment at like Halloween and costumes and spooky campfire tales. And juxtaposes it with razor blades and candy and actual fucking murder. Um, yeah. Know, like, and uh, drunk drunk teachers humping hot dogs. Um, it really had that, that 
punk rock energy to it you know like it mm-hmm. was it was just cool man I, I i i love it i love this movie i'm crazy about it dude i've i've mentioned a few times that like i i think you said the same thing too it's just like we are so easily fooled like if there's a twist in your movie i don't see it coming yeah and like this movie has like a bunch of twists and turns and every time one of them happens i'm just like oh i should have seen that coming but it's also like like a really cool thing it's just like i think someone a little smarter than me would have seen this coming from a mile away but oh totally it it got me and i had fun with it yeah yeah like no, that's uh, you know what spoilers. We're just going to talk about the things that happen. Okay, you you spoiled it the whole thing in your synopsis, but whatever. I, I suppose so. Um, no, like um, my my favorite character is Dylan Baker Stephen, the kind of like skeezy principal. Um, yeah. The the reveal that so like the one story that really wasn't working for me was all of these women dressing up as Disney IPs. Ballsy move, by the way, from a copyright perspective. Dude, real um, quick, if this guy was in Blair Witch 2, he would have been Steven Broker Stove Oven or something. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um... <laughs> we didn't get to talk about that. I was going to talk to you about it yesterday, but I couldn't. Do you want to talk about it now? no okay off camera okay (laughs) um but um his was my favorite character he just had this like smarminess where you're like i know this fucking guy has a vice and then you find out he has really fucked up vices but um the the one story that wasn't working for me was their like lame college party movie vampire story i was just like ah they can't all be winners but yeah. then you find out you were absolutely supposed... They were, like, luring you into a, like, very straight-to-Hulu horror. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Um, like a, a, wish up, a Wish Upon type thing. Um, <laughs> like, luring you into that. Which, by the way, the Huluween shorts, I don't want to shit on them. I love them. I'm more talking about, like, whatever random stupid movie you haven't heard of that you turn on and it sucks that was a horror movie. That's what I'm talking about. I wish um, Joey King was in this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But um, they're luring you into that, and then they fucking turn it on its head when they reveal that the vampire hunting them was actually just sociopathic-ass principal guy um, pretending to be a vampire, but really they were luring him into a trap, and they're fucking werewolves. It just was such a cathartic, like, a classic example of... uh, you gotta you gotta make them sit down if you're gonna make them stand up you know what i'm saying like Mm -hmm. it was so cool it ended up being like my favorite part in the movie it really is i love that reveal it didn't hit me as hard like i I still got a lot out of that moment out of that reveal um so like i'm watching it and my fiance is cooking in the kitchen she's getting everything ready and she she finally finishes, she comes and sits down as these girls are like, they've captured the vampire principal guy, and now they're like all dancing around the fire and like stripping their clothes off. She's like, uh, what the hell are you watching? <laughs> I, I just, I'm, I don't know yet. <laughs> <laughs> 
and then they started ripping off their skin and it was oh, cool <laughs> so badass <laughs> denny picked this movie don't blame me i don't know i think i actually said that i, think I, said, I don't you know this is denny's Leah? pick you buried me traitor oh it's true i was just telling the truth <laughs> it was your pick um did you have any critiques i have none like i just love everything about the movie do you have any critiques anything that didn't um, work for you you're not as much of a homer for it as i am you know i'm not as huge of a homer for it um like like you said and i think i mentioned it about an, another movie we've done recently like i love love the spirit of it like the aesthetic and the feel of everything like it's so cool punk rock like you're saying like you're selling on it you're selling me on it more than uh i think i had initially felt towards it so it's it's a lot of fun i don't think i had really a ton of connection with any of the stories um i don't know maybe that's just like kind of the natural pacing of things but Mm -hmm. it's kind of a fun thing that i don't really feel like i'm getting invested in but i don't think i'm supposed to so while it is fun while it is cool um it might just not be my thing mm-hmm. but i don't blame the movie for that if that makes sense no uh, it, it sounds like <coughs> excuse me sounds like a different strokes thing because i just i was invested but i also like i love horror anthologies and mm-hmm. something that i love about them is they give you a unique strength in a movie like it, it allows you to go to different areas because the stories are short so we don't have to be invested in any of the characters um, because we're not going to stick with them for two hours. So they can all just be bad people who die. You know, like you can't can't do that in a feature-length movie. You need to give us, why am I still watching this? Why do I care about this on a deeper emotional level? Why do I empathize with this protagonist? And in a movie like Trick or Treat, you just you don't have to do that. You can just tell a different kind of story in 15 to 20 minutes that you wouldn't normally be able to tell because we wouldn't like anyone in the story and we wouldn't want to keep watching it. You know, like, but we can just have fucked up people get their due. Um, Greg is moving his Red from Mandy Funko Pop closer and closer to the screen right now. That's right. <laughs> I was listening to the Mandy soundtrack on my way home from work today. No way. Yeah. How did it make you feel? Like I wanted to forge a scythe. <laughs> this one? Oh, yeah, that it's one. It's pretty cool. It's a beautiful thing. I was listening to the new Every Time I Die album, like I have ten times already since it came out the other day. Did, uh, uh, that's for that's for two people. Did you know that uh, their bassist wrestles for AEW? The basis from Every Time I Die? Yeah. Hold on. Let me double check. I'm pretty sure. No way. Yeah. He's a uh, fucking awesome wrestler, too. My buddy Sean went on tour with them oh. on a Warped Tour, and they are like, made, and like, got to be really good friends with him. Nice. They're, like, the, uh, the, the coolest guys, apparently. I believe it. He's, he's the rhythm guitarist. Um, okay, okay. Yeah. Andy Williams. I don't know if you know the name, but... I've heard it, yeah. His wrestling name is The Butcher. Um, and he's fucking awesome, man. He's really, really cool. And he performed CPR on a chipmunk and saved its life and posted about it on Twitter. So he's just, just a, just a all around awesome guy. Well, they make awesome music too. Um, 
wow we're sidetracked yeah sure trick or treat guys <laughs> watch AEW. it's fun um man i i loved uh i loved how foreboding sam was um the little the little trick-or-treat monster guy mm-hmm. um he just had this like menacing presence um and it was actually something i was thinking about recently where i was like man when's the last time we got like a new freddy krueger you know just like some larger than life character that's not based on a comic book you know like something new something that was a fresh idea that just like resonated with people and had staying power and i was Mm -hmm. like oh shit it's sam it's sam from halloween or uh from trick-or-treat um he's all over the place if you go to halloween stores at least and I, i really think uh He's the last really great slasher villain. Yeah, looking at you, Annabelle. That's right, I said it. Um, Dude, yeah. I, like, everything you're saying. Like, <laughs> I, I I said what I said about how I felt about it. I like this movie a lot more than any Conjuring or Insidious movie yeah. I've seen. Like, I, I don't like those. Because <laughs> this is actually fucking fun. Yeah. It's exactly. fun. Exactly. <laughs> it's fun to watch there's some scary moments there's some really creepy moments but in general it's just it's a good ass time man can you say oh, that yeah. about the conjuring three i haven't seen it i don't know i have no desire to it doesn't look appealing. i think i think i watched the first one and it's it's <laughs> it's one of those movies where like family buys house two little girls try to go to sleep in a room that is clearly haunted yeah and like yeah. the wall they're like sleeping in a room where it's like just mattresses on rusty bed frames and the walls are like leaking black mold and there's no light and they're just and there's a mirror and it's like all right girls go to bed <laughs> yep okay this is great who gives a shit Right. Who gives a shit? Who gives a fucking shit? Who cares? As long as the music gets super loud, as some as some CGI thing pops up, I'm gonna have a spooky time. Hell yeah! <clears throat> well, back on trick or treat. <laughs> any uh, any other thoughts? I mean, like all I really have is it was really funny when uh, the old guy got placed on hold by nine one one. That was hilarious. Nine one one, just hang on a tick. Yeah. I, I thought Rhonda was a really good underdog character. I, I really liked Rhonda. Uh, she she added some representation and a conversation about bullying and yeah, vengeance, <laughs> which Dude, was really cool. I, I was on her side from the beginning. Oh, Rhonda ruled, man. She was Rhonda great. Rhonda ruled. She was um, great. I <laughs> I was a little disappointed that uh, Little Red Riding Hood turned out to be the big bad wolf all along. I loved it. We, I did like that they were, like, self-aware that they were wolves, and they were doing, like, if you don't come out, I'll huff and puff and blow your house down. But there were, like... <laughs> sadly, there were no pigs building houses in this movie. It was kind of a letdown. Yeah. Uh, that, that, it was lacking in that area. No it pigs building a house. Get um, it together. Not even Pig did that. You know, it's just disappointing. What Nicholas could have Cage been? built that shack. What could have been? <laughs> Oh um, man, I, I didn't see the reveal that the the mean old guy was the bus driver coming. Nope, me neither. And then it happened, and I was like, "Ah, oh, shit!" Of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Got me again, movie. Um. <laughs> you want to get into gimmicks? Let's get into gimmicks. We I got a. Uh, 
yet again, we've got new ones. It's a new one every week, folks. Gimmick um, of the week. Gimmick of the week. Beow, beow, beow. Uh, music there. Denny, it's Halloween. This Boy, is, is movies it? for when... Stop it. This is movies <laughs> for when it's Halloween. What our... We have two gimmicks. What are they? The titular movie that named these gimmicks. Did our it. favorite trick... And our favorite treat of each movie. That's right. Denny. And, and and I will say, we talked before, right before we hit record, I was like, by the way, what did you mean by favorite trick or favorite treat? Was that open for interpretation? Because I think I picked different approaches for each movie. <laughs> <laughs> and I think you, you did the same. Uh, Denny, what was your favorite trick for a trick or treat? Uh, my favorite trick was when they tricked me really, really good. Uh... And revealed those werewolves in the vampire misdirect story. They got me good, man. Great. That was a good swerve. I was, I was, I was all about it. That was great, man. Uh, my favorite trick was the bus of whispers. It's those uh, tragically deceased uh, special needs kids getting their comeuppance as ghosts, haunting, haunting and ravaging the town. <laughs> it's so cool. <laughs> Oh, they're so cool. I they love them. They were badass. That was a good ending to them. Because, like, I was like, how do they wrap all this up? And then they did it. They put a bow yeah. on it with that. Yep. It was really, really good. The scariest visual in the movie outside of, like, maskless uh, Sam, right? Sam's the yeah, yeah. kid. Yeah, oh, that okay. was great. His We didn't even talk about how his face looks under the mask. and Oh, it was so cool. I will say, Brian Cox, like unloads on him with a shotgun and i hate it in horror movies where like the bad guy gets like stabbed in the arm and like collapses and stops moving so the good guy is like well i did it time to turn my back and walk away yeah but this guy keeps shooting the monster just in case yeah and even though it doesn't work at least i feel like he tried you gotta give him plausible deniability that he did everything you would have done if you were yeah. in that situation exactly and then if he still gets beat, you can have sympathy for him because mm -hmm. you would have done it. You would have well, thought you were safe. Have the dumbass shot the thing. <laughs> That's me in most movies. Uh, Denny, we've had our favorite trick. What's your favorite treat for trick or treat? I gotta go with uh, Sam's uh, box cutter chocolate bar. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great treat. I teased it. <laughs> um... My favorite treat is also something of Sam's. It seems like every time he is uh, testing somebody or approaching a house to see if you follow the rules and traditions of Halloween, a whole bunch of jack-o'-lanterns show up, and that's that's really nice. Yeah, it's really like kind decorate, of them. Decorates your house with all these cool, fun jack-o'-lanterns in front of your house. You may think they're creepy, but it's a nice little nice little treat. Hell yeah. Good kid, Sam. He treats you. He treats you. He treats you. <laughs> Greg, what's your favorite line? Charlie Brown's an asshole. <laughs> Me Watch too. the movie, guys. Me too. <laughs> is that is that yours? That's my pick. That's your pick. Can I can I go on a diatribe real quick about why? Well, yeah, sure. So the most nihilistic, dark, cynical, jaded god is dead there is no meaning thing i have ever seen in my entire life is it's the great pumpkin charlie brown 
Mm. Charlie but Brown. I, I saw a movie that said God's not dead, but please continue. <laughs> well, yeah, they had to make it after Great Pumpkin. Um, I saw three of those to. movies. <laughs> Boy, did we. Boy, did we. <laughs> One day, maybe. We'll see. Uh, let's not get religious. Uh, but maybe. Diners, drive-ins, and dives. But go ahead. Beautiful. One day you will know. One day you all may know. So that movie follows two threads, right? You have... Uh, Linus is waiting for the great pumpkin and everyone keeps abandoning him. Um, he's holding out hope and everyone doubts his hope. Charlie Brown is going around trick or treating, but his costume sucks so much that the adults give him rocks instead of candy. And you would not believe the payoff that we have to this story. Charlie Brown never gets any candy and the great pumpkin never fucking comes the end. That's it. That's the whole fucking thing. It's fucking dark. See you later, kids. Um, Charlie Brown is an asshole. <laughs> I hate bald boys. I hate little bald boys. Dude, every time I see one, I think I'm back in the pants. Yeah, me too, man. To this day, I hate bald boys. <laughs> I, I mean, I just see one and I go... Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> All right, Denny. What's your uh, what's your rating? What's your critic or score for Trick or Treat? I gave this one a 44 out of 50. Damn, pretty yeah, nice. It's very high. I actually lowered it from a 45. There was a little bit of recency bias. Um, I do think that this has something for everybody. I don't think you have to have some love of the genre to appreciate this or enjoy it. Um, I really think it's a sweet, a sweet spot between scary and charming. I don't think that... Uh, Anyone who doesn't really have the distress tolerance for horror movies couldn't enjoy this. I don't think there's anything that's just going to, like, make it a miserable experience for you. Um, and honestly, I think it is one of the best ever at what it does. Just at a horror anthology, I think it is one of the best ones ever made. And it's really hard to say otherwise, in my opinion. Hell yeah, man. What about you? I love, I love it. I love that you loved it. Thanks. Uh, I I gave it a 28 out of 40, mm -hmm. which is a 7 out of 10. Um, perfectly, perfectly enjoyable. Um, I don't really see myself watching this again any other time than, like, Halloween night or maybe the night before or something like that. And honestly, I feel like that's kind of the intention behind sure. it. Um, super fun anthology um, for... A genre that I'm not a huge fan of. I think it does a great job with it. Um, it it's, I don't know. It's it's cool. It it passes, and I think it comfortably passes. I don't think it's like a I barely like it kind of thing. For it's, sure. It's it's a passing grade for something that I don't typically enjoy. This is a great example of how to do a good job with hell yeah something like this. So. No, I, I agree with you 100% that it's like, dude, you can't throw this on in June. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, that's not what it's for. It's for, like, the week of Halloween, if not Halloween night, as we have recommended in this episode. That's right. These are suggestions. Alright. Um, all right, let's put you to sleep. I'm sleepy. You're sleepy, and also... You're done smoking, buddy. Whoa. Go into your sunken place. Whoa! You will be able to see 
you will be able to feel. You'll see your life as if it's a screen, but you'll be nothing more than a vessel to my seamless edit. And then I woke up in my bed the next morning and told Vanessa, I'm pretty sure Greg hypnotized me last night. But you're not smoking anymore. (laughs) It's true. It's true. Gaslighting motherfuckers. Hey yo, we're doing get out, get get mm-hmm. get, get out, get 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 in, get out. Hands up, not hands down. Back up, back up. Tell me what you gonna do now. Breathe in, now breathe out. Hands up, not hands down. Back up, back up. Tell me what you gonna do now. Keep rolling, 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 rolling. What? Rolling, 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 rolling. Come on, rolling, 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 rolling. Yeah, rolling, 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 rolling. Now I know y'all be loving this shit right Denny. here. L I M P. This kid is right here. So people in the house, put your hands in the air. Cause if you don't care, then we don't care. Yeah, Denny. one, two, three. Denny, <laughs> Denny, the the biscuit bit has gone on long enough. I was jonesing for my fix of that limp biscuit mix. I'm sorry. That's all right. <laughs> Limp Bisquick. All right. Um, Greg, this was your pick. This is my pick. This is a movie's... This is a movie. This is a movie for all the ladies, for all the fellows, for the people who don't give a fuck. Uh, it's a movie. It's a movie for the lovers, the haters, and even people that would call themselves players. Where you at? Hot mama. Uh, Pimp daddies. Get- and the people rolling down the caddies. How did you know what I was going to say? Um, yeah. Uh, this movie was critically acclaimed by all rockers and hip hoppers and well received by everybody around the world. <laughs> we are, of course, talking about the 2017 Jordan Peele film. Oh, Get out. Man. You know who didn't critically acclaim it? Fred Durst? Well, probably he made the fanatic. Um, let's not let's not account for taste in that area. No, the fucking uh, the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Science. They fucking gave Best Picture to Shape of Water in the same year as Get Out. Can you fucking believe that shit? I think I that I saw that movie. It was forgettable. Get Out wasn't. Get Out wasn't. I I was watching it. This is um yeah. Let's get into it. Uh yeah. Quick quick summary. Quick summary. This was my pick. This is a movie, uh, racially focused, um, class focused movie, uh, horror movie about a family, an affluent white family that is, um, the daughter has met a young black man in the city. They are dating. She is taking him home to meet the family, Mm -hmm. meet the parents, meet some of the extended family. And things start seeming a little suspicious. Come to find out this family is manipulating and kidnapping uh, African-American young men and women. Using their bodies as host vessels for brain transplants for people that want to have younger bodies. Mm -hmm. Pretty damn cool stuff. It's badass as shit is what it is. That's badass as shit. Truly scary, and um, a lot of racial undertones, a lot of uh, race-based themes, and just all around good time. This is this is a very unique horror experience. I'm glad I watched it. Yeah. Uh, what's what's your history with this one, Denny? Um, I've seen it several times. Uh, I, I don't even know how many times I've watched it. Probably three or four. Um, loved it every time. 
I, I just think it's like poignant and brilliant and fun. I think, uh, you know, like a good movie with a deeper message is something that works as a movie without the deeper message. And then the deeper message takes it to the next level. And I think get out yeah. really personifies that. Um, one of my most powerful movies with, I, I love this movie for the discussions it's, it inspires. Um, I've talked about it with friends of mine who are black and like learn things and also talk to them about like what it was like to like be at an elementary school with everyone was white except one kid, you know, like, um, mm -hmm. I, I grew up in the very white suburbs and, you know, like some of my friends who are black that like blew their minds. I was like, yeah, man, like the, I, I grew up in a different world. Um, but, but one of the most important conversations and something that's going to kind of color my discussion of the movie in this episode is one time um, my friends and I watched it uh, and we were all white and we were sitting on my back porch discussing it. And I was just like, I was looking around and I was like, you know what, guys? I think the fact that five white people are sitting around discussing this movie might mean that we missed the point. <laughs> you know, like, um, I, uh, this is kind of a, it kind of, it was just a weird moment in time where I was like, I don't, are we the problem, man? You know, like, um, cause this doesn't really seem like, uh, the, uh, it was meant to cross barriers a little bit more. So I also wanted to say, you know, as a disclaimer, as, as we usually put on our, on our more serious movie discussions, um, I don't feel like it's my place to speak to experiences I haven't had. Um, so I'm really gonna, I mean, like, dude, you can't talk about this movie without talking about race. Like, let's not pretend that that's not happening here. Um, right. I'm gonna refrain from what I perceive as this movie addressing black people, because I think it's black people's place to talk about that and my place to listen, right? Like my place to hear more. Um, I'm really gonna try to stay in my lane and stick to how I feel like this movie is calling me out as a white person. Uh, and kind of just like addressing white bias and white explaining racism. And there's, I, I think Jordan Peele did a fantastic job of just like establishing a multifaceted conversation. But um, yeah, I did want to qualify that I feel uh, a little weird to white guys talking on the air about Get Out. You know, like, and I want to, I want to say that like, I'm going to really make an effort to stay in my lane because I don't really think it's my place to talk about how racism affects minorities. Uh, it's more my yeah. place to take ownership as uh, part of a privileged, uh, privileged race of what I need to look at in myself. Yeah. Uh, I think <clears throat> you and I are on the same page and I think we're going to be viewing this more in terms of, I, I want to avoid being like, what he means is this and what this is saying is that. Yeah, yeah. And like kind of, ascribing our own meaning to everything and just being like here's what i enjoyed here's what it made me think about and that's it yeah. but we it, don't have any authority on like what it was trying to tell us and that kind of thing no yeah and it, it's not to dismiss the really poignant and really uh brilliant conversations about race it's more that we recognize it's really not our place to explore some areas of that you know like we need to we need to listen you know, like again i've said it before i'll say it again i really view it as my role to listen it's my role to seek understanding rather than be understood when it comes to these subjects yeah all right what about um, you what's your relationship with the movie grace greg why'd i call you grace no idea <laughs> no idea either doesn't make any sense we don't do we know a grace anyways i'm tired i'm really That's tired right. i stayed up late at a movie thing last night so did you S 
so did I, but I'm still drinking through it. Me too. Uh, <laughs> uh, I saw this once before in theaters with BFF of the show, Will Reno. Um, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I think he was a little more down on it. I don't think it was quite his uh, quite his speed, mm-hmm. quite what he was looking for. Um, yeah, it, it was a ton of fun. It was visually striking, and on this and it's crazy like i saw it in theaters like four years ago and i still remember like so much detail on Mm -hmm. this second on the second go round. it's just like um i was watching it with my fiance this time and she was just like she's the kind of person that wants to know what's going to happen and i'm absolutely the opposite where like do not even tell me who's in it yeah (laughs) i put me in blind i'm not going to spoil anything for you the only thing I will tell her is if the dog lives or dies. I'll be like, the, the dog is fine, so don't worry there. <laughs> um, yeah, I was I was amazed about how much of the detail I remembered about exactly what was going on, exactly what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, certain scenes really struck me in different ways, and... I remembered all of it, even after one viewing, and it made a second viewing pretty enriching, honestly. Like, yeah. it was it was really fun. It was more fun to watch it for the second time, knowing what was going on, mm-hmm. um, which is crazy, given that span of <laughs> how long between uh, it was between viewings. And I guess we'll get into it, man. Like, I, I feel like a lot of my enjoyment with this is... Daniel Kaluuya's performance yeah. is movie. He is yeah. uh, one of my favorite movies is Sicario. Oh, I haven't seen it. it uh, he's in it. He's incredible in that. He's in The West Wing. Like he's in a ton of stuff. He's just a phenomenal actor. Mm-hmm. And I haven't seen Judas and the Black Messiah yet. Uh, unfortunately, I will soon. But him in this movie was—he's spectacular. <laughs> in yeah. this one and it was it was really cool to see him in like just a, a role that required him to be as natural as possible and he absolutely nailed it oh absolutely he's just such a fantastic fish out of water in that situation um he, he's so emotive you know like and it really like most of the time i feel like it takes like just some powerhouse dialogue or some cool joker in the dark knight monologue to really make a character stand out and Mm -hmm. i think he really stands out just because of his like reactions and his facial expressions and just every once in a while him being like oh fuck you know like just yeah it's so good man he's got this perfect blend of like natural neutrality where he's just like in the scene as a normal human would be Mm -hmm. And then also as like believable as he can be, which is incredible. Yeah. And then he's got this, um, like the scenes where he just becomes completely emotionally vulnerable are equally as impactful and equally as believable as all those other scenes. Yeah. Um, my favorite thing that he does is, you know, someone says something kind of awkward, like, they're trying to address the elephant in the room and be cool about it, but they're, they're doing like such a terrible job with it. It's like making a little joke about how he's the only, you know, black guy in the room or 
how they feel about it and they're like trying to talk about it and he gives like the awkward accepting chuckle where he, like he's laughing but his eyes are not laughing yeah if that makes sense like it's a really cool natural uh reaction he has yeah no i mean this movie was about i mean like the first two-thirds of it are just white people overcompensating the movie you know just like basically mm -hmm. trying to get a black person to alleviate them of their white guilt um trying to like get a black guy to let them off the hook for how uncomfortable they feel about race um and it's just the right kind of discomfort to put in a movie well denny how many times would you have voted for obama <laughs> best conservative president of my lifetime i'll say that much <laughs> but we don't do politics all right uh <laughs> it, it, it's it's really interesting how the white family carries all their conversations in that manner where they're just like trying to seek acceptance mm -hmm. and like overcompensate like you were saying but at the same time there's something completely more sinister going on and they don't really care about acceptance and that kind of thing but they play it off so well like that is what they're seeking like they know how to be the functional family that's also like noticeably uncomfortable mm -hmm. with race and their own contributions towards um any disparity yeah. between races you know well it's like everything they say and do is meant to um is meant to communicate that they don't view him as any different than them because he's black and by doing that they constantly highlight that they view him as very different from him because he's black um yeah and uh i you know i know it's something that i've definitely been guilty of and something that um i don't know like it, it's just a like it's it's the i don't see color conversation that my my friends oh my who God. are racial minorities have been like hey man yes you fucking do <laughs> like what are you fucking <laughs> talking about you don't see color um, you notice that I am of a different race than you. And if you don't see color, then you don't see my experience because I've had different experiences than you because of, because of racial bias. Stop pretending it's not a thing. You're, you're not being honest right now. <laughs> like you're not being honest. Yeah. And this isn't us, you know, <laughs> this isn't us doing what we said we wouldn't do and trying to white explain like the point of the movie. Yeah. This is us kind of like sharing our perspective as you know a couple of white guys that kind of let yeah. these things slip by or maybe don't notice them or think about them oh no this is me reflecting on my own experiences and yeah, being exactly. like oh i've i've done this shit and i've been called out for it you know yeah, like I, it, i've this done movie this shows shit. the things that we've done <laughs> absolutely absolutely and uh i'm grateful to have been called out because i don't know for me like growing up in white families um uh, it was always like, don't acknowledge race because then you might accidentally say something racist and then you'll be racist forever. So just pretend that race isn't a thing. And it's been like my friends who are of racial minorities that have been like, hey, man, you can talk about it. This is a safe space. You need to admit your bias and take a good hard look at it if you ever hope to not have that bias. And that's honestly doing them more than is fair. <laughs> that's them doing more than is fair. <laughs> you know, like to mm -hmm. wake me up a little bit. 
Yeah, that's right, man. Um, yeah, I, I feel like we've done enough to cover themes and the way yeah. this makes us feel as the white audience I, I, I again I don't want to speak for the director but I feel like Jordan Peele was doing this just as much as a movie uh, for a black audience as he was trying to like bring an understanding to white audiences that were going to watch this right yeah. like um, yeah I We've discussed it at length. Yeah, man. I, and I, lo I love it. I think it was meant to make white people like me feel appropriately uncomfortable and inspire some introspection. And for me, it did. Yeah, most definitely. How fucking scary is it when the grandpa groundskeeper is sprinting? Holy fuck, that's fucked up. <laughs> he just, he just, he's just trying to enjoy his new body. Um... <laughs> You don't, and this is way, way before you have any understanding what's going on. The only thing I don't like about that scene and like what happens maybe like a minute before, this doesn't feel like a Jordan Peele decision, but like the jump scare thing of like the character didn't even see the thing in the background, but the thing in the background sparked a like music sting in the score yeah. that was just like super loud like they're trying to scare you with a sound and somebody walking in the background the thing isn't scary yeah like it's just uh Georgina walking in the background that's not scary yeah we could have played it silent but you know it feels like one of those things of just like the studio wants more jump scares to sell this to a more um contemporary horror audience it didn't need them so em. do that it didn't need them <laughs> didn't need it uh, they kind of do the same thing to introduce the sprinting scene yeah that didn't need it but like visually that that was pretty terrifying yeah <laughs> yeah yeah unnerving yep um something i wanted to talk about here was how i think like this is so it, it's it's just it started a movement in modern movies especially modern horror movies of like having conversations about social constructs it it returned horror in the in the limelight to something that could like be used to address something important mm -hmm. and i think something that goes under the radar is the sci-fi elements of this movie because there's some cool ass mad scientist shit in this movie that really yeah. like doesn't really get discussed very much <laughs> yeah i was gonna really quickly mention like the um the racial themes like he's saying like horror movies addressing real social issues like we were talking about night of the living dead and that was years and years ago yeah. like how when's the last time a horror movie sparked a conversation like that mm -hmm. it might be it might be that it's you know, just off the top of my head mm -hmm. i i feel like this is such a unique horror experience it it's so 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 cool yeah that um even you know maybe not everyone having the conversation is approaching it as smartly as we would hope like at least it's sparking that conversation and ins inspiring those ideas yeah. to like have these kind of talks but well it's kind of like do you think we would have gotten maybe a black klansman without get out do you think yeah, we would exactly. have gotten a 2020s invisible man which isn't about race but it's about oh, um about like that's a good movie. it's fucking good it's about a controlling abusive partner dominating over a woman and how much that fucked her up you know like it's 
would, would we have had Invisible Man with no Get Out? Um, I don't know, but like I gotta think that the massive success of Get Out definitely played a part in more movies using this genre and using these tools um, to have a larger yeah. conversation. There's There's been movies that have been like, social issue bad. Yeah. Here's the horror movie. And yeah. this the the approach here was way smarter and way better executed, I think. Oh, because like I said, this is what makes a great movie with a point. It works just as a movie. No context. You could watch this in a hundred years, and this would be a good movie. Let's say we live in racial harmony and everything got worked out. This would be a great movie. And then you have all of these just on the nose on the money um thematic elements that just mm -hmm. take it from good to great you know like they 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 enhance a story that already worked you see it in alien alien has a subtext about rape like it, it mm -hmm. really does and most people don't even realize it but it's absolutely there intentionally and that's because the movie is so fucking good on its own that that just it just makes it even better that there's something like that there so it's one of the best movies yeah. ever made but yeah but versus when you like try to work backwards from i have a point to make i'm gonna structure a story around it versus i have a great story i'm gonna add depth to it you know like that's it's just mm -hmm. two entirely different things as a uh credited story advisor you would know these sorts of things this is so true I, this is I true. appreciate your input here man thank you uh, i feel like i interrupted a point you were making earlier i don't remember um I can't remember either. Uh, something oh, about this. oh sci-fi, the sci-fi elements, the sci-fi yeah, the sci-fi elements. It's cool, man. You've got like, I mean, to me, those are some of the strongest scenes of the movie. Um, the hypnosis scene alone, holy fuck, man! The sunken place that mm -hmm. fucked with me the first time I saw it, and it's why I don't trust hypnosis. Um, I hear some therapists practice it. I don't want to fuck with that voodoo shit. Uh, I don't know much about it other than I don't want to go to the sunken place. Yeah, exactly. It's it's like um, it's something that honestly scares me, and it's like a sci it's in more sci-fi horror movies. Like the idea of drifting off into space is just like something that absolutely terrifies me. Yeah, just like helplessly drifting off into like absolute black nothingness yeah. and then this movie is like what if that was happening but inside of your own mind and you could see your own body carrying on without you oh. like that was <laughs> it's super interesting man like yeah. it, it's it's a whole new take on something i already found scary and then uh yeah we uh behold the coagula yeah and <laughs> It's, what it, uh, it's, it's so fucking cool would it freak you out if I told you I've had that experience <laughs> you've floated off into space before or you've gone to the sunken place uh, well the sunken place is kind of like EMDR except EMDR heals you instead of fucks you up but uh, no we're, we're absolutely capable of uh, what's called dissociation depersonalization derealization um, I think my PTSD is in remission now but I had a solid three weeks where I felt like I wasn't in my body and was just watching it. Um, mm -hmm. It's the most fucked up, scary thing I've ever been through in my life, man. Like, I just had to keep going. Um, but yeah, that shit can happen. Don't get traumatized, Greg. 
at least a rich white guy didn't take over your body in the process. Um, uh, that was more my fear, but yeah. we're getting into my personal issues now. <laughs> yeah. um, that's That's got to be a scary thing to deal with, and I can't say that I've experienced that, and certainly not to the length and extent that you've, you know, kind mm-hmm. of outlined there, but damn. Yeah. I, I can I can totally empathize with that and kind of put myself in that situation at least in some capacity and like understand just how terrifying that has to be. No, and I, I relate to the fear like I can't look at the sky for too long because I'll get terrified that I'll just get sucked up into it. That like That was go ahead. That was one of my biggest fears as a kid. I think it was a Calvin and Hobbes comic. <laughs> <laughs> really where, did like, a number on you. It really did a number on me where he like gravity is reversed for him and he's like walking on the ceiling and it was like the bit, the scariest thing. Like what if he goes outside and just goes up into the sky and never comes back down and then goes into space just like I was saying earlier and yep. never comes back. Powerful fear, man. Powerful Thanks, fear. Calvin and Hobbes. When you realize so. there's nothing but some invisible force holding you to the ground and you don't really know why it works. I understand this mental terror and anguish you've been through because I've read Calvin and Hobbes. Exactly. All right, Denny. Uh, what did you think? Well, no, while, while we're on the hypnosis scene, I wanted to talk yeah. about the use of sound. Um, it, it was it was a scene when... Uh, so, for those who don't know, I don't know why anyone would know this, actually. Um, Greg had me come to his house to watch No Country for Old Men so I could hear it in surround sound. Um, he was like, nope don't watch it in like on a regular tv i've got this whole rig set up you need to hear the footsteps behind you like there's this depth of sound design you're not gonna get unless you watch it with the proper setup greg was 100 percent right and i re- i felt the same way about this scene you know like i really wished mm-hmm. i had just a, a quality surround sound audio setup when i was watching because it's just like the sound design is just like interstellar levels of awesome in that yeah and I mean that both literally and colloquially. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's something just like Mandy. I told you guys to turn it up louder than most movies you've ever watched. Uh, there's a couple scenes where I would recommend the same in uh, Get Out, mm-hmm. but yeah, No Country for Old Men. Like every time I watch it, I hear something I haven't heard before, mm-hmm. which is fucking crazy. What a great movie! All right, that'll be another episode later, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, man, this is not a great movie for deer. Ooh. Uh, we run over one with a car, and then we stabbed uh, another guy from West Wing. Uh, Dr. Dad. We Eric! Sta- <laughs> we stab him with some antlers. And then he did that little weasel laugh. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> He's a great actor. I love him. Oh, he's fantastic. I just always see Billy Madison when I see him. That's all. Um, <laughs> no, I. The, so the original deer that gets run over, I thought that was a moment where I was like, they get horror because that's just such a harbinger moment. You know, like mm-hmm. no one says don't keep going, but like you just have these bad omens, you know. Um, you see an innocent death. You see all of, like, race coming into play again early on with the cops. Um, It's just, I love it. I actually honestly didn't connect the symbolism until you just said that. That there's the deer in the beginning and then he uses a deer to to kill uh, Eric. Um, 
Go on. Miss Lippy's car is green, and Billy likes to drink soda. That's all I had. Alright, so I have to carry the conversation now. Sure. Alright, um, I have renewed faith in the TSA, baby. Dude. So, they were, apparently, there was a time when they were going to do a Night of the Living Dead style ending. That the cops were going to come and just uh, shoot our protagonist, Chris. And they abandoned that because yeah. they just felt like it needed a happy ending. And they put in the, the TSA rescue. And man, yeah, I fucking love it. I love it so much. Dude, I watched that alternate ending for the first time. Oh, I've never seen it. And they shot it? Yeah, you didn't know that? I didn't know they actually shot it. I just heard it oh, was, yeah. like, in development. In the, uh... Well, I watched it on Amazon Prime, and it was, like... They said at the beginning of the movie, like, stay tuned for the alternate ending. And it's... It's exactly that. It's, um... The cops coming instead of rod we don't get our deus ex rodkina we get uh the cops coming they arrest uh chris right chris is the yeah, main yeah. character uh they arrest chris and um he's kind of a martyr uh, all the evidence burns up in the house and the scene plays in that version with jordan peele's commentary on kind of his explanation of that was the original ending that they wrote but as they were shooting, like, the racial and political climate kind of changed, and he felt like he wanted a different ending. Um, it, it was super interesting. Like, I didn't, I didn't even know about it, and I hadn't read anything about it, and then I watched it, and then I went through the credits and watched that. It was, it was super eye-opening. And I'm, I'm personally, from, from my enjoyment of the movie, I'm glad with they they went with what they went with and it, it made a lot of sense as justification for changing it yeah uh for kind of wanting a hero rather than a martyr because that's what he felt uh you know the country needed needed to see in a movie uh this this heavy about race no i i 100 agree like it just felt like a super earned happy ending and just like uh you know like we've entered this ridiculous world of swapping brains and swapping bodies. Um, mm -hmm. We've departed reality. Why not have the most fun character in the movie save the day? Um, and, uh, you know, even when, like, I wouldn't even call it a deus ex machina because... Rodkina. Rodkina, excuse me. <laughs> because, like, okay, we didn't see him get in the car and be like, I'm going, but we saw him expressing concern trying to do something about it it's it's not like uh the military shows up and rescues him randomly you know like yeah. it's uh no man I, this this isn't return of the living dead yeah <laughs> well they didn't quite rescue them <laughs> <laughs> i know um yeah no I, I i really love that ending i'm i'm just wondering I, I i actually went and bought the dvd this time so i guess that's why i didn't see it because i was just like dude I've loved this movie. I've watched it three or four times. I'm just going to go buy it for $1 more at Movie Trading Co. than renting it on Prime, so I'll just have it. But I think... I don't I don't know that I got any features. I didn't check. I wonder... I'm going to have to go to the bonus features now. Yeah, it's it's not super long. And um, he even says, like, there's one part where, like, it's the cops showing up instead of Rod, the TSA man. Mm -hmm. um, and, like, this guy is 
you could tell the sun is rising while they were shooting. He's like, yeah, as you can tell, we didn't get the VFX in for this part. <laughs> the sun's starting to rise. It's kind of morning, so. <laughs> yeah. This would have been a little cleaner had we had the chance to finish it. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Where, where are we at now? I don't know, man. I got a few stray points I could make, but I could also just get into gimmicks. I feel like we've covered the ground pretty well. Oh, yeah. Um... I had a couple last notes. Um, what'd you think of the girlfriend? Dude, okay. White girl heel turn is the note I made. Um, White girl heel turn. She, you knew she was truly unhinged when she started eating Fruit Loops out of a bowl dry and then had a glass of milk next to it. That is the most fucked up thing in the whole movie. Like, um, serious psycho shit. Dude, she... So, I, I love her character, man. I really do. I love her performance. Um, she definitely has this... So, like, there's a difference between unexamined bias and active racism, right? Um, yeah. She has an unexamined bias. Or, well, we think she does. Um, yeah. And they do a good she job of... of yeah, like, he's... Tr like, Chris is trying to tell her, hey, you should tell your parents I'm black because I think it's going to be a thing. Um, and she's mm -hmm. like, nah, that's not a thing. And he's like, I think it's going to, and she just white splains racism to him, you know, like, and then dude, like, honestly, one of the most chilling moments of the movie, cause we have like some hope held out that she's not in on it. You know, um, she, where are the keys? Oh, that's what I was going to say. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't give you those keys. Oh, and she still says, babe. Oh, you know, I can't give you those keys, babe. Um, I don't know if I'm going to nut favorite lines. I actually haven't decided one yet, but like, man, I got chills just saying it out loud. Cause that is the moment where just the mask are off, you know, like it's all on the table. Um, and she is fucked up in the sense that she says like, for real, you were my favorite. Like that's a fucking compliment at this point, you know, like, yeah, <laughs> dude, uh, man, you gotta be like, well, some consolation, right? Not, not at all. It's just honestly, Greg. The more I think about it, we need to stop letting white people live alone in woodland communities because they always do shit like this. Something always happens. They fucking stop vaccinating their kids, or they start swapping brains. Uh, mm -hmm. They join MLMs. Like we just, we gotta do something about. Uh, uh, what's the word? Homozygous? Homogenic? Uh, homo... Hom, uh, homo... Monochromatic. Monochromatic white communities. Um, right. isolating together. They just always do something weird. Like, they always do a get out or something like that. So what's your suggestion for, uh, these monochromatic communities in the woods? Uh, I have one. I want to hear yours. Jason Voorhees. <laughs> Sometimes we just gotta press a reset button, and <laughs> you know what, fellow white people, we will lose some of you. <laughs> We're gonna lose some of you, and it's a price we have to pay to end the the problem of white people isolating together and doing hate crimes. <laughs> we just have to do a Jason Voorhees. I'm sorry, guys. Just don't do hate crimes. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you're Jason Voorhees. Those aren't hate crimes. He does. It's it's. He hates everything. Does he hate? I don't know. 
All right, um, all right, we'll get into gimmicks real quick here. Uh, I did want to say real quick, I thought it was um, really clever, really cool to have all of the uh, characters that had had transplants, and I want to give some special love to Lakeith Stanfield for being one of the best actors in this movie, mm -hmm. one of the best actors out there. He's incredible, hilarious, and absolutely kills it in this film as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, I love that everybody that had transplants actively hid the scars on their head Ooh. until the very end. I thought that was really cool. Like, it explained some of their, like, weird behavior, weird demeanor. Like, they're constantly, like, trying to cover it up. I didn't even notice. And, and then uh, once Chris kind of figures it all out, uh, Georgina's wig kind of comes back. Yeah. Uh, the Walter's uh, hat kind of comes off. And you start seeing those scars, and oh. it's so cool, man. So damn good, man. So damn good. All right, uh, I had a question for you, Denny. Yeah, Greg? If you were to be purchased for your body and mine transplanted in an auction, mm -hmm. the person buying you is purchasing your body for what? Lower back pain. Their back just feels too good. They wish their lumbar hurt more. I want your back, man. They wish they were pear-shaped. They were always an apple body type, and they wish they were a pear. Um, I'm trying to think. Height. It would probably just be height, and they would find out it's not all it's cracked up to be. It actually really sucks. Um, you're too big for all chairs, beds, and cars. Um, the only pro is that you can reach things. Uh, the cons are that uh, people think you can lift things because you're strong when you're not. Um, and you're just always in physical pain, especially if you're tall and not athletic like I am. It's just really not worth it. But I think it would be, it would probably be someone who either wanted to be tall or wanted to grow a beard. What about you, Greg? Uh, I was about to say, I would purchase your body and just like stroke my face the whole time. Mm. Like, this is so cool. This is what it's like to grow a beard. Mm. And then you're in the sunken place like, oh, that's not proper maintenance or whatever. I don't know. See, Greg, if, if I was in the sunken place and you were piloting my body, I'd be like, they thought they'd destroy us, but they've only made our lives more fun. <laughs> I'd have a great time if it was you that bought my body, man. Hell yeah. Too bad you don't get any say. Um, I was just... <laughs> what would someone buy your body for, Greg? I was going to say, like, reach the top shelf in the grocery store, because I do that for people a lot. Me too. Me too. Mm. Mm. Fitting in confined spaces despite being six foot three. Um, I'm really collapsible and scanny. Maybe it's a tall guy thing, because believe it or not, Greg, despite me being significantly heftier than you are, I can, mm -hmm. f I can, f and I'm not flexible, but it's just like, if there's not a lot of space in the car, I can just make it work more than anyone ever thinks I can. You know, like I'm... I'm huge, I'm massive, I can get in small spaces, and I can't sit comfortably in a chair, and I don't know how those two things work together, but they do. <laughs> Denny, what's your favorite trick for uh, Get Out? So, my favorite trick is one of the most brilliant protagonist moments of the movie. It's when he reveals that he put foam in his ears to block him from going into the sunken place. Um, mm -hmm. You see him, uh, you see Chris anxiously picking at the chair, and to me, all I thought is, like, that's just anxiety. He's panicked, and he's just, like, clawing. Yeah. And then and they show, like, he did that when he was a kid, like, frozen with fear. He was, like, scratching the bedposts. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, oh, he's 
that it, it triggered the same sort of anxiety yeah. as um, his past experience. But yeah, go ahead. No, yeah, fan- fantastically set up, fantastically paid off. Um, you know, I say a lot that I, I really respect a protagonist in peril because it's hard to keep them in peril and also have them be smart. You know, like it, it's just mm-hmm. hard to write. Um, for me to stay invested in them, they can't make any choices I wouldn't make. For me to just be like, they're my hero, they need to be smarter than me. They need to do mm-hmm. stuff I never would have thought of, and I would have been like, shit, I would have died, but they figured it out. You know, like, they're they're mm-hmm. gonna get out of this. Now they're my fucking hero. And when he pulled the foam out of his ears, that was my, like, the protagonist is so much smarter than me. Fuck yeah, you creative ass kicker. I, I was just all for that, man. I popped huge for it. What about you? Favorite trick? Love it. Um, basically, Catherine Keener's entire character. She's awesome. She she's she's always giving off this vibe like she's two steps ahead of whatever's going on <laughs> in every single scene she's in, mm-hmm. and it's just like this kind of fake warmth that she's giving off but it's like hard to call out it's like she knows exactly what to say and how to say it to elicit certain reactions Mm -hmm. and she's like not offering like too much in terms of politeness but she is kind of in a weird way commanding a certain amount of politeness and she she's incredible in this movie, man. Dude, she's in just top-notch, man. Top-notch. So, yeah. My favorite trick is all of her all of her scenes, I guess, if that, yeah. if that works. What's, uh, um, what's your favorite treat? Uh, my favorite treat is sparklers and bingo! <laughs> um, my least favorite treat is the dry fruit loops. Um, Dude... It, this might knock me down a few pegs in your mind, but uh, I do not like milk in my cereal. I only eat dry cereal. Do you have it with a glass of milk? No, I don't. That's different. That's fine. I just eat bowls of cereal with no milk. That's fine. Sometimes it's, I get handfuls of cereal. Why with do no I milk. want? Why would? Why do I want to make my food wet? That doesn't make sense. Because it rocks. No, it doesn't. You're just making your food wet. It's just going to get soggy. Now I have to eat it faster. Yeah. And I got a big bowl of milk that I got to slurp like a toddler. That you get to slurp. No, thank you. As long as you don't have the milk, too, I can allow it. That doesn't bother me. Um, but I'm also desensitized because I know someone who pours water in her cereal because she's lactose intolerant. And if she's listening right now, she knows who she is. You sick fuck. Um, I don't know who she is, and I hate her. <laughs> I don't. I, uh, I tried to set you up on Sorry. a date with her one time, and it didn't go anywhere. Danny, what's your favorite line for Get Out? <laughs> Wait, I didn't do my... Uh, I did my least oh. favorite treat. I'm, I'm sticking with it. Um, All right. I'm, uh, favorite... Eat, yeah. Eating half of a Fruit Loop. Yeah, that's my least favorite treat. Um, my favorite line... Uh, you know, I think... I, I kind of already said, uh, you know I can't give you the keys, babe. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, for the sake of, for, for the sake of variety, I'm going to go with... I'm T.S. motherfucking A. We handle shit. That's what we do. Consider your situation fucking handled. Action hero shit, man. That was awesome. I love it. 
I do love that confidence. Um, I got some good news. Well, first I got my runner-up, which is right before, you know, I can't give you the keys, right, babe? Is Catherine Keener stepping into the room as Chris is figuring everything out, saying, would anyone like some tea? Ah, it's great. Motherfucker. Terrible timing, Mom. Yeah. But my, fav <laughs> my favorite line is also from Rod. I think that mom is putting everyone in a trance and then fucking the shit out of them. <laughs> His sex slave stuff is so great. <laughs> He's incredible. Yeah. This is what's crazy. He was portrayed as just, like, ridiculous and hyperbolic. And he was actually, like, understating the situation. You know, like, mm -hmm. the, they're, they're running a cult of sex slaves was uh, was a lot more grounded than that, what was actually going on. That would have been nicer. Yeah. <laughs> um, what is, uh, what's your critic or score, Greg? I gave this one a 30 out of 40. Um, you know, I, I think it's, for as high as I praise it, I'm not a huge fan of, like, the um, comic relief kind of stuff, necessarily. Mm. I think it is funny. It is genuinely funny. I thought it was and interesting. I, think, I thought it was interesting. <laughs> but this, too, this movie had too much fucking shit on it. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, like, this, this is a unique horror experience in that it's just, like, you know, you get your different zombie movies that maybe establish their rules within that kind of genre maybe your possession movies horror movies that kind of follow their own set of rules and maybe tweak things a little bit this is like and then like slashers will do the same thing have rules establish them and uh, maybe tweak them a little this is a movie that completely creates its own set of rules like it's a horror movie that's kind of venturing into a new genre mm -hmm. a little bit and i feel like it establishes its rules and its reasoning behind how things work yeah. and follows it very well a bad horror movie will establish rules and then not follow them this one does a good job of establishing some new and creative ones and then following them to a t so i'm down with that I'm down with that, brother, yeah. brother. Um, I gave it a 47. Oh, wow. Yeah. Whoa, whoa. Uh, I just... Dude, it's it's art horror, man. It. Uh, I, will, I will concede that while the comedic relief worked, it did feel a little tonally out of place. Uh, mm -hmm. But also, we got to remember, too, this was our introduction to Jordan Peele making art horror. And we only knew mm -hmm. him from Key and Peele. At least most of us did. I know I only knew him from Key and Peele. Um, and so to me, that was like, a, a nice transition. It was like when, uh, when Undertaker mysteriously became a biker for four years, for a while, he still wore a trench coat, which kind of helped us bridge the gap between undead wrestler wizard and, uh, motorcycle man. Um, and so that was kind of like, uh, to me, that was the, the Undertaker's trench coat of Jordan Peele, giving us something we were already familiar with to help us acclimate to the new thing. Um, if you want to hear my fan theories about uh, the canon of Undertaker mysteriously, unexplainably being a biker for four years, uh, just just DM me. Uh, I promise I'll get back to you very quickly with a larger response than you want. 
Um, he's he's got something written out on the notes app already, ready to copy and paste. <laughs> so glad you asked. Here's six paragraphs. Um, no, yeah, but uh, uh, I gave it a 47. I I think that it's without a doubt one of the best films of the 2010s. Um, I think I always feel like it's like pretentious to call a movie important, but I'm gonna do it anyways. I do think this is an important movie. Um, mm-hmm. I I and it just again. To me, it just it works on every level. I'm crazy about Get Out. 47 out of 50. It's an all-timer territory for me. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Hey, man. It's movies yeah. for when it's Halloween. Everyone's entitled to one great seamless edit. Fuck. Cheers. <laughs> how, many, how many times have you heard that line in the past day? Uh, more than a couple. Uh, we're back, everyone. It's Halloween, as you may have heard. And we're here to talk about a movie you may have heard of called Halloween. John Carpenter's Halloween. Uh, we've been talking about John Carpenter a lot lately. Uh, his best, the master. His best movie, The Thing, uh, was actually <laughs> the inspiration for that was featured in this movie, which is pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, uh, really, really cool. Connected the dots there. It felt really awesome. Um, Nineteen seventy-eight. Man. Slasher horror feature. Man. Halloween. Starring a 20-year-old Jamie Lee Curtis who looks 30. Denny, what is your... <laughs> Respect on the queen, man. She is the scream queen. She she hit a point where she looked 30, and that hit way early, and then she surpassed it and kept looking 30 for mm-hmm. many years beyond that. Yeah. I respect the aging curve hitting us it's just a stalling point for her if you just ask me like actors who i truly think are badass that just like have clout i'm always gonna say jamie lee curtis i'm gonna say sigourney weaver and jamie lee curtis hell yeah both of them they're like they can just like walk into any movie and i'll be like well this is a big deal now (laughs) oh so this is cool now yeah yeah (laughs) without a doubt this is cool and good now all right um yeah, Denny, what's your uh, history with Halloween, man? This this horror slasher classic. I assume you've seen it before. Yeah, no, this is weirdly one that I don't really have that much of an interesting history with. Um, it's one that, like, I had this similar experience with Jurassic Park where it's like, you see references to it, you see clips on TV, You it was playing on TV and you watch parts of it. Mm-hmm. And then, like, a couple of years ago, I was like... I don't really know that I've ever sat down and watched Halloween start to finish. Wow. And I don't really know that I knew that. You know, like, I was like, I mean, I feel like I've seen it, but I just, maybe I haven't. And so I did. Um, You know, I I watch it pretty much every October, man. This one is just uh, an all-around classic in my mind. Mm -hmm. I think if you want your fall vibes, your Halloween vibes, this is uh, one of the best movies for it. And, uh... I have no idea how many times I've watched it. Um, I don't even know when the first time I watched it was. I, The first time I remember sitting down and being like, all right, I'm buying this DVD and watching it start to finish was seriously like probably 2018. Yeah. But it's not like I like went in cold and had never seen any of it. Yeah, I'm sure I just like watched three-fourths of it on cable before or something, you know? Yeah, this is another one of those movies where it was like, I've seen it by proxy, 
kind of, where it's just like mm-hmm. it's either parodied or referenced so much that you're just like, yeah, yeah I've seen this. And that's that's kind of where I landed with one of the Matrix movies we talked about, too. It's just like, no, no, I've definitely seen this. And then I actually sit down to watch. It's like, no, never. I don't never seen this one. Yeah. Um, but I, I knew I hadn't seen this one, uh, despite how famed and classic it is. Um, mm-hmm. This is my first time watching it, surprisingly. Hey, shocker, I hadn't wow. seen a movie from the 70s and 80s. Uh, part 64. All right, here we go. Um, yeah, it, it was a good watch this time. And even though you kind of know what's happening, it's been referenced a lot, and there's like 80 sequels that are even coming out like a couple weeks ago. Now. Yeah. Like... You could still go into it all these years later and all this knowledge later and still have a fun time with it. So I had yeah. I had a good time with this one. Rock on. I'm glad, man. Um, I don't think this is re- as rewatchable as some movies are. You know, like, it's like you've seen it and you kind of seen it and you just go back to relive it. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know, man. I'm, I'm really glad you liked it. It, it was another one kind of like Frankenstein that I, I wasn't sure you would. This, um, this isn't like, like you were just saying see it once and then like maybe it's not a year-round watch it's not the extent of trick-or-treat in that regard where it's just like you only can watch this towards the end of october and yeah never any other time like i feel like this the mood could strike up to watch this like anytime fall kind of hits yeah whereas trick-or-treat is kind of like october 28th through 31st and that's it <laughs> yes um, <laughs> yeah but yeah, the, um, similar similar kind of vibes, and I think it's yeah, it's the week for it. So whatever, here we are. No, this is this is my go to movie when I want to feel like it's fall. Mm-hmm. Like I, I agree with you a hundred percent that it's just it's autumn vibes, and like yeah, it's gonna be even better if you watch it on Halloween night. But I could watch it in like mid to late september and i'd probably watch it again in october you know but it wouldn't feel crazy out of point out of place um mm-hmm. do you want to do a quick synopsis or should i um yeah you go for it okay uh michael myers is a villain without much of a motive we really don't know much about him we know uh that when he was a child one day he decided to stab his sister in the boobies on halloween night um he was locked in a mental institution for the rest of his life up until one night when a silent alarm went off in his head and told him it was time he also somehow learned to drive while he was in there and the characters even acknowledged this plot hole they're like why the fuck's this guy driving i don't know maybe someone taught him that sounds stupid <laughs> anyways just, he's like, driving acknowledge- now <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is just so great um he gets out uh he comes home and he starts a killing again. We got Jamie Lee Curtis, who is, uh, actually, well, well, we'll get into the final girl, virgin girl type of tropes. Um, I think there's a discussion to be had about Laurie Strode's character. Laurie Strode is the final girl. Um, there, every other final girl wishes she was Laurie Strode. Take it to the bank. Um, Dr. Loomis is chasing Michael around, saying he's, like, just the fucking personification of evil. He never wants him out of an institution. Mm-hmm. Michael's going around just stabbing people left and right. Um, and eventually he comes face-to-face with Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, Laurie Strode. 
apparently because her dad's trying to sell his house and she walked up to the door. Um, that's the best motive you're going to get, uh, despite many sequels attempts to, <laughs> to deepen that connection. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as this movie goes, that's the motive. And they fight each other and she stabs him with a coat hanger and Loomis shoots him a bunch and he falls out a window and then he disappears. And I promise it's cooler than I made it sound. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, all good. Uh, All of that was correct and accurate. Kind of goes back to what I was saying in Trick or Treat. Just uh, shoot the bad guy every once in a while, which I hear, I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen Halloween Kills yet, but I hear it was an issue. It was just like, just somebody just shoot him. Like You got the guns, right? Just shoot the guy. But uh, that doesn't always work. Can I soapbox real quick about Halloween Kills? Just real quick. Uh, without spoilers, I, I don't care. I'm not going to spoil it. I won't spoil it. I bet it. he's. I bet he lives at the end. But yeah, go ahead. Dude, we 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 never talk about anything current, really. You know, we typically do old movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved Halloween Kills. I loved it. I thought it was awesome. Mm-hmm. The internet is shitting all over it. And I loved it because it's an 80s slasher. Mm-hmm. We've got all of these one-note killables that have like something kind of quirky and funny about them, and then they die. And there's lots of hokey stuff. There's like movie speeches. Um, and I just think that culture has forgotten what to do with a slasher. Um, I do not understand the reaction to it. I don't know what they were expecting. I do think 2018 had a lot of cool subtext and commentary mm-hmm. and emotional payoff that Kills didn't really have. I did see that one. But yeah, go ahead. If if Kills came out in 20 or sorry, in 1982, we'd be calling it one of the best sequels ever made. Interesting. I'll put my name on that statement. I think that just people are looking for Ari Aster and everything. Mm-hmm. And not everything has to be Ari Aster. I love him. As much love as we work. love, love, love Hereditary and Midsummer, Yeah. Love him. Crazy about him. Just awesome movies. Um, I love Halloween Kills. And I think it is just like a perfect two-form classic slasher. And that never happens anymore. And I vehemently disagree with everybody who's shitting on it. Mm-hmm. I love that movie. I will watch it with a positive lens. Um... A more carefree lens, I guess, I should say. That's really what you should go into it with. It's the fucking Just... 45th sequel to a fucking Halloween franchise written by Danny fucking McBride. <laughs> fucking ser- Come the fuck on. All you gotta Lighten up, motherfuckers. All you gotta do is tell me, like, hey, just think of this like a in your typical 80s slasher movie. I'll just have a completely different mindset and be absolutely ready for yeah. what this movie has to offer. Yep. If you wanted depth, bad news. There was none. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> if you wanted a slasher, best one we've had in decades. And I wanted a slasher. And I got one. Well, let's scratch the kills and get into Halloween. Um, talk about another great role intro credits. Oh my god, I'm glad you brought it up. The, yes. The music is beyond timeless. This is yes. such a classic horror tune that we played for you during our seamless edit um the credit the opening credits are literally just listing the cast the people that worked on it and then a jack-o'-lantern that we're slowly zooming in on and that's it and like kind of a shitty looking jack-o'-lantern too there's something kind of off about it you know like it's (laughs) it's great 
It has circular eyes. Who carves a jack-o'-lantern with circular eyes? They're triangles. Michael. And it's great. It just adds that like that personality to it. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm constantly amazed because John Carpenter scored the movie too. Mm-hmm. Um, he also scored the 2018 and the 2021 Halloween Kills. Um, I'm constantly amazed at how good he is at scoring and also how simple his scores are. Yeah. You know, like he doesn't have to show off. He doesn't have to like overcomplicate it. He just does the right thing in the right way at the right time. Yeah. And I'm so crazy about it. Like you need two fingers and a piano to recreate mm-hmm. this. Like that's yeah. that's how simple it is. It's it's like the Phil Collins drum solo in like anybody can play it you can pick up a pair of drumsticks and play it but to like create something like that like that comes from a genuine place of like artistic just pure creativity and genius yes sometimes it's perfect it's best like it's it's just good that's all there is to it it just fits man it just fits and it yeah it fits this it fits this movie so well yeah um our opening scene one thing I'm not really a huge fan of is POV horror. Like, we kind of got it a little bit in the first Friday the 13th with Mrs. Voorhees. Mm-hmm. We're just, like, we're given the perspective of the killer. And it's weird that this little kid appears to be, like, six feet tall. But whatever. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it, it's it's a good intro scene. It kind of establishes... It, and it's weird, like, this is the most we ever see of Michael Myers' face once we switch from POV to, like, kind of the shot that backs up from him as a kid. We see that blackness in his eyes and that emptiness yeah. and just obsession with death. Oh, it's so good, man. It's brilliant. It's timeless. Mm-hmm. He's the boogeyman. He's the boogeyman. I wish that kid would shut up about the boogeyman. That was annoying. Yeah, that kid was kind of annoying. <laughs> Like, what but. does he look like? He looks like the boogeyman. If he, if that kid had just said, he's got a white mask and a blue jumpsuit. <laughs> oh, no, we better get out of here. I mean, as a, as a former kid who was a total scaredy <laughs> cat and also extremely imaginative, I related to him. And not, I was really... And, sorry, go ahead. And not good at describing things. Yeah, I get you. I've, I've always been pretty good at describing things, but... Oh, okay. Um, no, man, I, that was me, man. I was, I was scared of tornadoes. I was scared of bumps in the night. I was scared of monsters and I also loved them. And so I related to his annoying little ass and I also resented his annoying little ass. And that's why I'm in therapy. Dude. Yeah. Also afraid of tornadoes. So I never really watched Twister as a kid. Me neither. Uh, yeah. Those trailers made me afraid of tornadoes. I've never seen Twister to this day. Maybe that's one for next week. Maybe that's one for next week. Anyways. Oh, shit. Uh, I might actually pick it. I might actually pick it. Dude. Where else do we want to go with this movie? I do gotta say... Yeah, I, I already mentioned it before, but just like... They're watching The Thing on television, and I'm just like, Oh, we yes. just did that movie. Hey, wait a second. This movie came out before the director of this movie made yes. that movie. Oh, that was a cool feeling, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
I love that. I love them just watching old horror movies on the TV. That's just like my heaven. Mm-hmm. My heaven is like being enclosed in a safe area inside my own house with the soft lights of the television on Halloween night watching spooky movies. Mm-hmm. And this is something that I don't think a lot of people realize that this movie shattered about that feeling of safety I'm talking about. This was one of the first movies to be like, Hey, white kids in the suburb, you are not safe. (laughs) It's not as safe as you think it is in your precious little picket fence world. Mm -hmm. Um, And that terrified people, man. It scared the shit out of people. Because they had built this, like, secluded, insulated community that they thought nothing bad could happen in. And then one day some sociopath comes along and just starts stabbing everyone for no reason. Comes back to town. Yeah. Oh. Dude, I love that tagline. The night he came home. Mm Mm-hmm. That's so fucking great. That's such a great, awesome awesome tagline i get chills every time i think of it dude everything about this movie that's good is good due to its well not due but like it's good and it's always the most simplistic thing yeah like it's just a simple tagline based on exactly what's going on in the story it's a simple score that you can play on two fingers with a piano it's Mm -hmm. simple characters simple motivations and it all works so well because simple works and especially in horror like you don't need a lot of description and you know background and depth and everything Mm -hmm. and exposition you just need an idea that works and is executed well and creatively Mm -hmm. no absolutely and that's that's what really stuck with me this watch through that I hadn't really thought about before Mm -hmm. was how patient this movie is. That's another one of my notes, yeah. Um, I think there's about 50 minutes between kills. Yeah. And we're just building tension the whole time. I mean, uh, it's just as patient as as Michael is. Yeah. He just stands there and stalks. Yeah. He just likes to look at people. I think Dr. Loomis talks about his patience, too. It's just like an Mm -hmm. inhuman level of patience. or I can't remember exactly what he says, but yeah. Dude, you want to talk about iconic movie characters. Donald Pleasance as Dr. Loomis. Oh my god, I fucking think he's just the glue of this movie, man. Mm -hmm. Normally I don't like the exposition character, but I feel like this is a well-cast and reasonably um reasonably deployed one if that makes sense like he's not just like running around wildly saying stuff he's like he's he's a little more level-headed than like the exposition deliverer would be in like a horror movie and he's just like no no you need to understand here's who he is here's what's going on i need your help kind of guy and it's yeah carry on yeah no it's something that they said um, in Red Letter Media's Half in the Bag episode on Halloween Kills uh, while they were shitting on the movie, just as I thought they would. Mm-hmm. Um, huge Red Letter Media fan. Never for a second did I expect them to like Halloween Kills. Um, but th- what they said is, like, they don't like that in uh, Halloween Kills, everyone's always talking, like, about how evil Michael is and how corny that is. Mm-hmm. And they acknowledge, like, well, yeah, they did that in the first movie, but it's like Loomis's thing. 
And Donald Pleasance makes it work because he's such a great actor. Mm-hmm. You know, like, he makes this, like, hokey, like, you don't understand. It's the spirit of evil incarnated behind his dark eyes. You know, like, yeah. he's such a great actor that he makes all this, like, potentially corny bullshit that a lesser performer could have absolutely ruined the movie with. Um, and he makes it the best parts of the movie, man. Yeah. Like, you just, you fully believe that this is a rational man and a trained professional who has seen something so fucked up in this guy that he's like, we need to lock him in a cage forever. Holy fuck. I hope he never gets unleashed on the world. (laughs) None of you understand what I've seen. No one gets what I've seen in this guy. This is bad. This is really fucking bad. (laughs) It just works, man. It's just one of those characters. That's just like the expert he would be the expert in this situation. He's seen everything, and he tries to come up with a reasonable explanation for everything. And then, just like uh, Tommy Lee Jones in No Country for Old Men, he's just like... Then, every once in a while, something comes across that you just can't put your finger on. Like, mm-hmm. some something is just... The simple explanation is just, it's too evil to really understand, so you don't try to understand it. You just try to take care of it. That kind yeah. of thing. Ugh. Well, even to the point that, like, Loomis is referring to Michael as it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, he's not calling him he. He's just like, this is inhuman. And that's what... So, what works so much for me is that they throw away the reveals of his face twice. Yeah. We see him as a kid in the beginning, and then in the climax when he's fighting Lori, she just unmask him, and he's just a regular-looking dude. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and there's no, like... Uh, practical effect, no prosthetic, nothing like that. He just looks like a normal guy, and it's kind of like, huh. So that's it. And the yeah. point of it is, is it's <laughs> like, no, dude, it's not about some sort of like circus person or whatever. You know, like it's mm-hmm. there is something inside of him that is just so corrupted, that is so unmotivated. His face doesn't matter. You know, like, that's not the reveal that you think it is. Mm -hmm. Which is just so smart and so just fucking awesome, man. The way he looks is not what makes him evil. Nothing was Mm -hmm. done to him to make him evil. He just is that way. And he is, at the end of everything, still just a person. Even though maybe he's a little immortal when it comes to getting shot and stabbed. (laughs) But, you know, movie magic, baby. Well, it's the idea of we're up against something we don't understand, which is like essentially the scariest thing you could imagine. And is very much the thing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the movie, the thing we're just up against Incredible. this threat that we don't get. And it looks like us and it in some ways mimics us, but behind those eyes, it is not the same as us. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually didn't realize the thematic connection until I said it out loud between behind Michael Myers eyes. and the thing. Yeah. Behind these hazel eyes. There he is once again. Torn into pieces. Ter- well, other ter- people tearing torn victims into pieces. into pieces. Yeah. <laughs> Go on. Um, I wanted to talk about Laurie Strode and the final girl tropes that she inspired. Yeah. Uh, I, do you have any defense for the final girl? The final girl in general? No. For Laurie Strode, absolutely. So that's your final girl defense? Oh, too soon nice (laughs) (laughs) no they deserved it they were great um no um so 
the final girl trope is very problematic in the sense that it is uh she was rewarded for not engaging in sexual immorality and she was pure and she didn't do drugs um and that's why she survived thanks reagan we get it um thanks (laughs) margaret thatcher um and there's also this idea that like men don't feel comfortable feeling sympathy for another man in peril. So it's somehow scarier because she's a girl. Um, that stuff gets really problematic. And Laurie Strode is kind of patient zero of that, at least in the zeitgeist, because this was not the first American slasher, but it certainly kicked off a craze, you know, like it was the first one that really just insanely powerfully resonated with people. Mm-hmm. Um, my defense for Laurie Strode is this, they really don't play up that she's like some innocent virgin. She takes a hit of a joint. Yeah. She's never like sex, gross. I don't put out or whatever. Um, she does appear to be a little more bookish, you know, like she's the one who is babysitting and uh, not out having sex on Halloween night. Yeah, she feels like she's getting stuck with these these characteristics, not like yeah. that's she's not like aggressively being that person she just kind of gets stuck being that person well yeah and it also comes across as that's just her being herself yeah she it doesn't, doesn't come across as like she's prude and she's afraid of all this stuff she's not anti she just doesn't care no yeah it's just the way she is and so i think that she gets a lot of unfair blame for the trope mm-hmm. because yeah the trope was inspired by her but I think it was just, you know, flanderized and boiled down and dialed up. And uh, I think a lot of final girls after her are guilty of those offenses I talked about. Mm -hmm. But I really don't feel like Lori is portrayed as this, like, innocent, virgin, delicate flower. Um, Mm -hmm. I I think she's more portrayed as just, like, a human. And, yeah, she's not really interested in a lot of the high school bullshit. But she's also, like not mocked for well she's a little mocked but like she's she's teased lightly by her friends i guess i would say it doesn't yeah it doesn't come across as she wants to but she can't because she's pious it comes across as like that's just not what she does man she's a good babysitter she seems really cool and fun and you know like Mm -hmm. she runs into the kid and they talk about all the fun they're gonna have that night yeah it's not it's not portrayed as something that's lame is what i'm saying yeah um it's not portrayed as like she's somehow elevated and more pure than everybody else it's just that she's more portrayed as like the last house he went to you know like it, it doesn't really come across as like and I get it, like, yeah, there's the sexualized violence of, like, he originally kills his sister that way. And I'm not going to say that that's not there. He definitely kills people after they have sex, but it doesn't come across as a as a moral crusade. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. It doesn't come across as he's killing them because they had sex. I do think you could interpret that and you wouldn't be really reaching to do it. But it just kind of seems like Michael was just going through houses. You know, like, mm-hmm. he was just going through houses. That's that's kind of the interpretation I took. And I, I think that Jamie Lee Curtis is the shit. I think Laurie Strode is an awesome, iconic, just, yeah, there's a reason that her character has stayed relevant for 40 years. You know, like, it's, uh, 
It's kind of a like Hannibal Lecter and uh, oh shit, fuck, I forgot the other Clarice. character's name. Clarice, yeah, yeah, Hannibal and Clarice of. There's no Hannibal without Clarice. Clarice's reactions really uh, are really what makes so much of Hannibal's lines amazing. Mm-hmm. I think you could say the same thing about Laurie and Michael. I feel like everything you laid out. Um kind of goes back to it's something we didn't discuss when we talked about cabin in the woods but the vibe of the final girl you know like in in the movie she's supposed to be a trope and her trope is to be the virgin and as soon as they tell that to her they're like wait really and sigourney weaver all-timer is like we work with what we've got (laughs) yeah it's just like she's not yeah she's she's not giving off this vibe like she's anti all this stuff she's just like and eh, this isn't my primary focus kind of thing mm-hmm. and i guess people just misinterpreted that and misunderstood it and then carried that trope through other movies in more simplistic and kind of negative ways mm-hmm. um then uh yeah, I would, I would say a lot of movies are derivative of this one. I feel like this inspired a lot of things. Um, the most I've seen uh, deriving for this movie is uh, older sibling getting stuck in the laundry room. <laughs> I made the same note, Greg. <laughs> Babysitter stuck in the window. Who knew that a porn genre would be traced <laughs> back to Halloween? Help me, help me, stepbrother. I'm stuck in the window. Sure. Okay. I'm glad we both walked away with that scene. <laughs> man, the internet has done horrible things retroactively to Halloween. Oh, man. What are you doing, step excavator? Uh... <laughs> I'll text you that picture later. Um, yeah, premarital kissing. Not okay. It's bad for you. It's very, very bad. It's enough to get Michael in the house. Boy, is it. But he does let you have sex. That's it's very nice. That's cool of him. He lets you finish. It's very like, cool of him. <laughs> he's like Kanye. He lets you finish. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> he's right, folks. Oh, um, man. Dude, I just think that this is a movie that, like, every moment in it feels like a really big deal. Mm-hmm. Just the cinematography, the score, um, you know, like, Michael walking by the fence at the school, Michael standing in the sheets. Um, <sighs> Dude, all of those scenes are so well done with him yes. just, like, standing somewhere. <sighs> Being behind something, not really hiding. Ah, oh, those are all just... Again, simplistic. It's chilling that he's just standing there. He doesn't have to be, like, menacing or it doesn't have to be, like, a musical sting or, like, a quick zoom in or anything. It's just, like, he's there. He's watching. We don't know what he wants with you, but that doesn't change the fact that he's there and he's watching you. I mean, like, it's old school wrestling psychology of you don't have to do much. You don't have to do a million crazy moves. Mm-hmm. just make what you do matter you know like in, in this movie really 
made everything they did matter. It wasn't the fanciest, it wasn't the craziest, it wasn't uh, excessive practical effects or gore or anything like that. They just all made stuff it we all love matter. Oh, we love them. We, we love, love them. it. Yeah, it's great. It's great. They just they just earned everything mm-hmm. with patience and with deliberate pacing and with setups and payoffs. Man, so good. Um, are there are there any images that really stick with you from this movie? Um, I feel like the first time we see Lori and she's in class and she's looking out the window and like Michael's just on the other side of the street standing behind the car. Mm-hmm. It's it's those scenes and I think one of my favorite ones is later on. Um, one of her friends like yells at him while he's driving the car. He drives by, and he's just, like, staring at them as he goes by. And it's it's such a great image in horror of just, like, yeah. zero clarity on motivation yeah. and that kind of thing. Like, just, just the visual of it is scary enough. And then they, you know, yell at him, like, slow down, asshole, or something like that. And he stops the car... And he don't seem... I don't think you see him, like, turn around or anything. Like, the car just stops there. Yep. And then goes on. It just continues. Like, it's... Oh. Even on a rewatch, I always expect it to, like, reverse and him to, like, come intimidate them. Mm Mm-hmm. He doesn't. (laughs) Like, they make you wait for it. They make you want it. Yeah. And they're like, nah, it's not quite time yet. Yeah, exactly. And he moves on. Again, it's it's Loomis talking about his silent alarm. Like, there's just... There's something in him that lets him know when it's time to do these things, and no one understands it. Right. Uh, the image... Sorry, go ahead. Uh, yeah, it, it's not up to us to get inside his head, because I don't think we want to be there. But, yeah. I don't think we can. No, we can't. <laughs> we sure don't want to. But, yeah. What were Dude, you going to say? There's just two images that really stick with me. Um... One is when he pins the guy to the wall with a knife and just cocks his head back and forth, just like tilts it. Mm-hmm. Um, Kane stole that, the wrestler. Mm-hmm. Um, That's gotta then, be Kane. That's gotta be Kane. That made me happy. Um, and then uh, we see him over the shoulder of Laurie Strode just do the sit up. Um, mm-hmm. And that is so awesome that The Undertaker stole it. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's it's so fucking cool, man. That sit up is such a great moment. It's amazing. I think another one was uh, Lori finding the starting to find the dead bodies. She finds all yeah. of them, I guess. Yeah. And then she like retreats to the hallway, and then there's like a dark room, and then Michael's face just kind of leans into the light oh, really slowly. Oh my god, that one got me on this watch. Like I was like, <laughs> oh. Fuck, I forgot that happens. It's It's so good. You're staring in that doorway. I I was... Yeah, the first time seeing it, I was, like, staring at that dark doorway. Like, every time there's darkness, there's a surprise. Like, is there any more bodies? Oh, no, it's him. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm, like, I'm feeling like that sinking in my stomach right now, just remembering how scary that moment is. Mm Mm-hmm. It's so good, man. It's just so brilliant that, like, when you're good at making movies, 
you can make a character leaning into the light be the most terrifying moment of the movie. Mm-hmm. Like that's, you don't <laughs> you don't need all of the CGI. It's just you can again like what sticks with me of this whole movie. It's a character doing a sit up, just laying on the ground and sitting up. Mm-hmm. And it the character. It's is not just, complicated. It's a reg. <laughs> it's a regular guy in a regular mask doing it yeah. too. Yeah, just sitting up. <laughs> Do you know? Do you know what the mask was? Mm-mm. It's a uh, William Shatner mask that they like fucked around with. That's awesome. Yeah, it's uh, it's Captain Kirk. I kind of wish William Shatner had played it. That would have been awesome, Mister Spock. <laughs> um, I'm gonna stab some teenagers <laughs> over here. You keep surprising me with these impressions. <laughs> that could have been that great. Are we Are we ready for gimmicks? uh i believe so uh my last note is um i put caps lock on for it by mistake it was just people are just answering the phone for whatever fucking reason (laughs) just keep answering rings Mm -hmm. like hello foster residence or whatever (laughs) jody's house alone with some kids how can i help you uh yeah um would have been hard to make this movie now that's all i'm saying i know they did but like originally dude this it's such a like moment in time type of movie Mm -hmm. you know you you just you can't recapture that you can't do it again it's just it 1978 was what it was you know well we want people to we don't want the phone to interrupt our intercoursing so we're gonna leave it off the hook (laughs) you're just like oh yeah it it did work like that didn't it i remember i remember landlines i don't remember intercoursing during them (laughs) i just remember landlines interrupting my 30 minute download of a 30 second tony hawks pro skater 2 clip on on dial-up internet don't answer the phone i'm trying to watch this did you ever have friends call your house late at night and you would get in trouble for it? And I'd be like, I can't fucking help when they call the house. Put a phone I'm in sorry. my room. I'm sorry it woke up everybody, but I told them not to. Call their parents and tell them you're mad, but don't fucking ground me for that shit. That's like, right. What am I supposed to do about that? <sighs> Man, um, one thing I didn't like... Why is it a thing in horror movies? People trying to leave out the front door and they are locked inside. It perplexes me. I don't know. I didn't even think about it. Like, Lori is, like, stuck in the house because she has a good, good head start at the front door. Yeah. And she just can't get it open. And she tries for several seconds to get it open. Just, like, ditches that plan. I mean, we can assume Michael barricaded it, maybe? No, like... Yeah, you might be right, because he did barricade the back door. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I didn't watch it closely enough. I thought she was just having trouble with the locks or something. I thought it was like a, a funny game situation where it locks from the outside or something. Dude, you, you might be right. It's For me, it's like, I don't even remember caring about that. So, it's for me, it's like... 
if that's true, I was so immersed in the story that I didn't notice, so it yeah, gets a it, pass. You it, know, like, it didn't ruin like, the movie for me. I'm just yeah, like, yeah, it, it gets a pass. This seems to happen a lot. So I made mm, it up. Probably right. Um, we ready to gimmick it up, or what's up? I'm ready to gimmick up. Like, dude, yeah, I, I, this is one of the best movies in its genre. It's a formative American movie. Um, I don't really know what else there is to say. I don't know that we did it justice in our discussion. And I also don't know that we could, because it's also one of those that, like, so much has been said. Are there any real original thoughts left about Halloween? Yeah. Uh, I haven't heard them, so all of these are original, but they've probably been originally thought of elsewhere as well. Sure. Yeah. I'm sure most of our stuff has, but, like... (laughs) (laughs) like, We're not that um, smart. Yeah. No, it's just, like, I'd love to, like, give you a fully researched diatribe uh, on just everything about this movie because that's what it deserves and uh we're not we're just telling you what we think about it and we really liked it you know like that's yeah. that's did it do it justice probably not but mm-hmm. uh it's a great fucking movie hell yeah man uh what's your favorite trick of halloween my favorite trick which i intentionally didn't mention before because i wanted to save it mm-hmm. is i fucking love the reveal of judith meyer's headstone in the bed after awesome. uh, after michael kills people because they gave us enough time to forget that he stole that you know yeah. like it was such a cool like you son of a bitch <laughs> like I, I love that um what's your favorite trick greg uh his uh michael's batman tear disappearing axis when someone is looking in his direction mm. like as soon as someone turns around he has fled that spot yeah with such haste it's like he was never there complete with a there you go i love it man what's your favorite treat uh my favorite treat is that i feel like this movie inspired our uh remake of the thing so this movie (laughs) treated us with john carpenter making his best film Yes. The reason I'm laughing is because I thought you were about to say I feel like it respired, inspired the remakes of Halloween. And like, yeah, no <laughs> All the shit, sequels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure they were heavily inspired by I feel by like this Halloween movie. H2O might have something to do with this one. <laughs> I didn't understand that movie at all until I, thought, I saw this. I thought it was weird they picked Jamie Lee Curtis for that. I guess they're related. <laughs> That's retconned, brother, brother. Um... <laughs> My uh, my favorite treat, I'm going to say, is, uh, you know, this is just a nostalgic pining that I have that I just never felt like I got enough of in childhood. Popcorn and Dr. Dementia's six-hour horror movie marathon on Halloween night. Ooh, what right. could be better, man? There was just something about that era of cable, of not having full control. You couldn't just have a six-hour movie marathon whenever you wanted. Mm-hmm. And so when they did one, it was like, oh, fuck yes, I'm going to try to make the whole thing. Yeah, You know, like, it's just a nostalgic pining, man. That's just that's just heaven on earth for me, is six hours of horror movies and popcorn and nothing else to do on a Halloween night. There you go. That's awesome. What's your favorite line? Um, my favorite line was... Uh, Lori's teacher uh, when she first starts seeing Michael and she describes um, different literary interpretations of 
the concept of fate and she the teacher says something uh i wrote it down it says in samuel's writing fate is immovable like a mountain it stands where man passes away fate never changes and man summarize the movie for me yeah things are coming that you have zero control over i feel like that's kind of the stance the movie takes we are just hit with inevitability of michael myers character and evil incarnate as yes. he would be described as so i feel like that set the tone really well it was ominous without being like overtly ominous it was really cool hell yeah no, yeah, it was very plausible that it was coincidental, but if you were watching a movie and you were paying attention, it really fit the theme, right? Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, we never even see the teacher. It just like It's just a voice coming from behind the camera. Yeah, which, by the way, my high school classes weren't that smart. Like it, We were not diving that deep into like, cool themes of stuff. Laurie Strode's getting a quality <laughs> education. Denny, did you read the book? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sure didn't. It's called Spark Notes. You think I'm a dipshit? I wasn't going to read the fucking Poisonwood Bible or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Thing sucks. Okay, I got to give a runner-up for my favorite line because it's a monologue that I get chills every time I even think about it, and I've only got a snippet of it here, but I love the whole monologue. Mm -hmm. My favorite, uh, my favorite, or my runner-up for my favorite line is, "I spent eight years trying to reach him." Then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized what was living behind the boy's eyes was simply evil. Awesome. Um, it's so fucking badass. But my favorite line is not a line, but it's a credit. It's Michael Myers being credited as The Shape, which I just think is so fucking badass and really fits the theme of like. We're not talking about the body that he's in. We're talking about the spirit of evil that inhabits it. Yeah. He is the shape. I just get chills. I'm getting them right now. Every time I think about someone referring to Michael as the shape, which they never call him that in the movie. They call him the boogeyman or Michael Myers. But he's credited as the shape, which is the character's name, which I've got to assume that's what he's written as in the script, um, which is just so fucking badass that's man. so awesome it's just like the oh just the idea of what a word like that carries it's just like yeah. it's not oh my god that's so cool like i didn't even know that oh you think, didn't I, yeah, I don't i don't think i saw so, that it's so fucking badass it it's just like the nicest touch it doesn't matter what person this evil is inhabiting or if it's even human what matters is it's there it's physically manifested yeah and it took the shape of this guy yeah oh that's that's what you're seeing you're seeing the shape you're not seeing michael myers you're seeing the shape of evil like it's so fucking just oh i'm chills all throughout my body right now man and i'm not even joking that's just so fucking cool ed sheeran said it best i'm in love with the shape all right, Denny, what's no, your no, 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 what's Greg. your critic or score? No, for... no, 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 no. T-Pain said it best. I'm in love with a stripper. 
of you. Um, what's your critic score for Halloween, Denny? 46 out of 50. 46 out of 50, hell yeah. If we're judging by slashers, you know, I've got Texas Chainsaw and Halloween hanging out at 46. I just think this is all-time upper echelon, man. It's just... What do you want a slasher to be if not if not if not Halloween? Every sl- every slasher ever tried to be Halloween, and that's my point. Including all the sequels. <laughs> yeah, they wish they were Halloween. Uh. Even my favorite slasher franchise, Friday the Thirteenth, openly ripped off Halloween. And yeah, do I like Friday the Thirteenth more? Yes because I personally connect to it in a weird way that I can't explain. I just have since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Ha- Halloween's better. Okay, it's just better. I don't know what to tell you. Says you. All right. Um, I gave this one a thirty-two out of forty. That's an eight out of ten. It's a Hell pretty yeah. solid one. Uh, I, I did have to dock some points for a dog death. I made a note that that just this just lost a point with Greg when that happened. I wrote it down. <laughs> you were correct. Um, but yeah, there there's some fantastic moments it's so well made heavy breathing is both the funniest and scariest subtitle to see um yeah i'm the age of the movie shows but it is very timeless yep did you notice that trick-or-treat referenced that heavy breathing uh i don't think so with we, we, we with start like the with pov some of pov sam. of sam breathing heavily yeah yeah I thought it was a nice little nod. Hell yeah, dude. Um, Denny, I got two more questions for you. Number one. What? Lay them on me. What is the best movie for when it's Halloween? Um, Get Out is a horror movie you could watch any time of the year and it would just fucking rock. It's the best movie we watched this episode, but it's not the best movie for when it's Halloween, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um... I am torn. I am really, really torn. But I think I'm going to go with Trick or Treat. Oh, okay. I, I don't know. I don't know. Are we allowed to do ties? Because this is the first episode when I would do a tie between well, Trick or Treat and Halloween. I would say watch them both on Halloween night. Well, I'm pretty torn here because... I don't know. My, my approach with picking Get Out is I could not pick a movie... So I wanted to pick something that was a horror movie, but not, like, a classic slasher. But I felt kind of weird picking something that wasn't, like, based on Halloween itself. Um, So it kind of landed... Maybe it fell short for how I would pick my, like, the best movie for when it's Halloween. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I feel kind of torn between Halloween and Trick or Treat, just kind of based on the same thing. It's just like, you're watching a spooky movie with, you know, whoever's in the house with you, and you can, like, get up and give candy out to the Trick or Treaters and come Mm -hmm. back and still just keep enjoying the movie, and I feel like Halloween and Trick or Treat, despite being so incredibly different, provide that, that same experience. Do we want to go with the tie? I'm tied. I say watch them both. Yeah, do it back to back. Do a double feature. Double feature, and if you want to make it a marathon, throw in the Halloween tree, because that movie fucking slaps too. <laughs> Maybe I should have picked that one. It's fucking great. But at least we got to talk about Get Out. Is this uh, our first ever tie, Greg? Do we have a consensus on a tie? 
Yeah, I'm I'm going tie here. Honestly, this is cool. I'm going with the tie too. Oh man, that's the real treat. That's the real treat. Is now you have two movies to definitely watch. Um, yeah. I had trick one... is something a whore turns for money, or candy. <laughs> I have one more question for you. Yeah. Uh, these movies aside, do you have any recommendations for? Uh, what would win this episode based on the movies we've done for Spooky Season? All of them? Yeah, like all the movies we've done for um, Spooky Season. What would you pick as the best movie to watch on Halloween? I'm I have stand, an answer. I'm going to stand by my tie. Um, let me let me review Out, really outside quickly. Of, outside of this episode. Oh, if we couldn't do this episode? Yeah, if you couldn't do this episode, which other scary movie that we did would you pick for um, watching on Halloween night? Um, This is you, hard. You could do this Scream, is, you got Mandy, you got Night of the Living Dead. I'm going to go with Frankenstein. Dude, come on what that was my pick oh that's great greg that's, that's awesome great. that's fantastic it's 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 the classic one man like yeah. i was a little upset that i couldn't pick it for this episode because i was just like you're it's halloween you want to like experience the night you want to watch something that's a classic yeah something that you know it doesn't require your your undivided attention to like mandy for example um it's a fun watch and there's a lot to get out of it and it's just classic horror if you are paying attention to it it's spooky yeah it's amazing so i i gotta say the original frankenstein rock on greg you know i like i wanted to pick a movie that inspired uh future films of the same name so I was a little bummed out that I didn't land on Frozen. So <laughs> If you watched Frozen on Halloween, you fucked up. That's right. <laughs> you fucked up. Big time. But Teddy and Greg said it was funny. It's not. It's funny. It's fun to talk about. It's not fun to watch. There's a no. huge difference. <laughs> That really was my favorite episode we've done, though, last week. No kidding, man. That was my favorite one. It was my favorite one to record. It was my least favorite one to watch the movies for. <laughs> yep, it's funny how that works, because I feel exactly the same as you. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and if, you, if you've already watched Frankenstein and you want more for Halloween night, I'll give you Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, because what you may not know is they also meet Dracula and the Wolfman quite the monster mash that's a uh, movie series i'm not really familiar with oh i am don't worry greg i've got the frankenstein commemorative box set and son of frankenstein often slept on really great movie hell yeah man you get bela lugosi as igor it fucking rocks not that animated movie from like 10 years ago or whatever um I don't know what you're talking about. There's a some movie called Igor or something. Oh, 
from the yeah, creator okay. of Minions or some shit. It's Igor. Like I give a fuck. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, Denny, we already talked about what we're doing Sunday. Please join us for the community Halloween episode live stream where we will be discussing the episodes, not watching them with you due to copyright issues. You know, you get it. 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 You know how it is. You've seen the episodes anyways, right? NBC Universal is on our asses, and we're just like, we don't want to draw it out in court. We just want the fans to get what they want. We'll be the bigger people and not stream community. That's right, because they've definitely heard of us. Yes, they Um, hear of us all the time. (laughs) Shaking their fists like, ah! (laughs) That damn Movies for Win podcast streaming our niche show that failed because we do nielsen ratings that's right outsourced didn't quite take off and it's our fault uh i blame myself shaking their fists like why aren't they saying why aren't they saying you can watch this on peacock Ah." (laughs) Uh. can you even watch it on peacock i know it's on netflix and amazon is it on peacock i don't care um yeah what's what's next week's episode denny weird concluding spooky season oh. here we're done with our horror episodes oh. so regretfully regretfully I, i'm sad i'm sad to say goodbye to spooky season me thank too. you for for indulging me greg absolutely it's it's more than a third of our episodes are horror movies because i'm including friday the 13th episode <laughs> so there you go it, it, um, it, it will be refreshing to go back to non-horror for a little bit though yeah i'm gonna specifically make non-horror picks for the next couple weeks just to kind of breathe in the fresh air i may or may not we'll see totally up to you uh but next week we're venturing out of spookiness and we are asking ourselves what is a classic movie a revered film something everybody's seen before but you haven't seen denny yeah, and I haven't decided mine yet, and neither have you, because That's right. there's actually a lot of classics we've both missed out on. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll update you on that. There's there's some cool ones in the conversation. What did I reference earlier in the episode? I don't even remember it now. Oh, boy. I don't remember. Twister. Twister, okay. Yeah, yeah, there's, yeah. Uh, that's, I don't know that I call it a classic. Yeah, so Denny will pick a a classic movie that everybody has seen except for him i will pick a classic movie that everybody has seen except for me which is i got a lot of choices there and then uh for the third pick we are going to pick a classic movie that everybody has seen except for both of us you know what fuck it i'm picking mine now oh i'm picking rocky okay yeah i've never seen rocky me neither (gasps) shoot wait should that be our third pick? I don't know. We'll think we'll, about we'll it. We'll talk about it. We'll think about it and get back one to of, it. One of our picks will be Rocky. One of our picks will be Rocky. We'll be watching Rocky, folks. All right. Denny. <laughs> conclude spooky season. Everyone is entitled to at least one good catchphrase. For Greg work. The dismembered legwork, Johnson. I'm Denny, the Talon Taylor. And this has been Spookies for Win 
We already scared you in! Happy Halloween!